Is that really your idea of how to run a newspaper? I don't know how to run a newspaper, Mr. Thatcher. I just try everything I can think of. Charles, you know perfectly well there's not the slightest proof that this armada's off the Jersey Hello, coast. Hello, Mr. Bernstein. Excuse me, Mr. Bernstein. Can you Payne. prove it isn't? This just Mr. Bernstein, in. I'd like you to meet Mr. Thatcher. I'll just How do you do, Mr. Thatcher? Leland, uh, Hello. Mr. Thatcher, my ex-guardian. We have no secrets from our readers, Mr. Bernstein. Mr. Thatcher is one of our most devoted readers. He knows what's wrong with every copy of the Inquirer since I took over. Read the cable. Girls delightful in Cuba, stop. Could send you prose poems about scenery, but don't feel right spending your money. Stop. There is no war in Cuba. Signed, Wheeler. Any answer? Yes, dear Wheeler, you provide the prose poems. I'll provide the war. My father once asked him, said, Mr. Hurst, why don't you concentrate more of your energy on motion pictures, which has a worldwide audience, instead of journalism, which appeals to one city or one nation? He thought a minute and he said, well, Douglas, I'll tell you. I thought of it, but I decided against it because I realized that you can crush a man with journalism and you can't with motion picture. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we This is Tank Riot. This Brought to you live from our bunker in Sam Simeon. <laughs> Sam Simeon. I can't even. <laughs> Go ahead. Xanadu. <laughs> okay, let's start doing the Olivia Newton-John song now. <laughs> this is episode 148 where we talk about William Randolph Hearst, a new entry into our douche gallery. I am Sputnik. With me as always is Victor. Well, hello. And of course, Tor. Yeah. So, first thing I got to say in our but first is uh, I'm very excited because <laughs> just went nerd. There's, <laughs> there's a new se- well, there's a, there's a bunch of new series on like there's this ten part uh, Fargo miniseries. Oh yeah, there. I don't know that I hear such good things about that though. Well, it's 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 fun. it's got Billy Bob Thornton. It's in got it. a lot. It's got a great cast, and it's got uh, I haven't uh, seen a single Bill episode. Bill Baggins, who right. of course Martin is English. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, English is hell, but can do a Minnesota accent. Just nails it. Yeah, I'd watch it just for Billy uh-huh. Bob's haircut. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're always a little bit different each time. <laughs> but what I was really excited about was there's a new Nazi documentary series, Nazis: Evolution of Evil. So I've been catching that, and it's just been... if if Nazis have evolved into evil. Why are there still monkeys? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know. I, well, I just it got. You ever it, thought of that banana? <laughs> <laughs> it's God's joke on atheists or something like that. <laughs> Sorry. They caught me at the first episode. Was like part one, the misfits gather. <laughs> and it was like oh oh. Nice. So that's been very good. And plus, I don't know. You guys probably haven't been watching the Vikings, but. Not the team. Not their the playoff chances were shot this year. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have anything. Oh, God. The, the last week's episode, I just about wet myself. It was called Blood Eagle. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what a Blood Eagle is, uh, it's like a Viking noogie, only much more intense. <laughs> so mm. essentially, guy's still alive. You make that cut right up by the collarbone. Reach in. 
pull out the lungs from the rib cage and then just let them inflate and deflate like big bloody eagle wings. Oh, did they really do that? Yes, they did do that. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with people? It was awesome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> they did it to the evil Yarnberg. Wow. <laughs> It was, it was too cool. I am so addicted to that show. It's not even funny. So I had to buy HBO because uh, I wanted to uh, watch Game of Thrones. Okay. I, I won't give any spoilers on this, but uh, I, oh, then... You mean the other other Red Wedding? Oh, my God. <laughs> Game of Thrones is just a fantastic, fantastic show. So, And I'm, I'm glad um, to see there's more female nudity this, this season. <laughs> uh, we're seeing way too much junk. It's like, what am I, in the locker room? I mean, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you just... Hey, hey. <laughs> and it's it's really weird that you have to buy, you know, HBO in order to get the HBO Go app. It's too bad you can't pay for the app, but they've got it locked down to whatever oh, cable yeah. provider you're on and sure. HBO's really highly invested in the cable provider system, but but the app works fantastically. Oh, so, very it's, cool. it's pretty cool. Yeah, you kind of wonder what it would take for them to go completely independent yeah, and I, start I, a streaming service or something. I don't know that they will. Um Yeah. They're they're just I think too invested because Yeah. They have too much customer base that are built that way through that. That's true, too. Well, if the, ca- if the cable and satellite dwindle on their own, then mm-hmm. at some point they will, would jump. But, yeah, yeah. it would probably be the, the cable and satellite would go first. I think the main hamstring problem for me is the fact that they don't make it available to purchase on iTunes or anywhere else for a year after it's aired. So, therefore, oh. you know, this season, again, is, like, highly uh, pirated. And I was just oh, like... Yeah. I don't want to have to deal with torrents. I don't want to deal with pirating. I just want to get this show and sure. probably when the season's over, just cancel HBO. Well, HBO has <laughs> still got a lot of good shows on it, too. I mean, you know, there's like the Veep and everything else. Okay, and Girls. I'm into and that. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> D, D, Lena Dunham. D, 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 I like that show. <laughs> yeah, it is actually really interesting. <laughs> Refreshing. But um, let's see. What else? And you saw Captain America. Did I did see Victor? The Winter Soldier. Yeah. <gasps> And I, I thought it was a really, really good sequel. It was it was fairly dark. We kind of thought what we were, you know, we kind of knew what we were getting into. And yeah, they introduced the Falcon character, which was great. I love Black Falcon. Yeah, and they oh, they had I was some the Blue Falcon but, yeah. <laughs> and Motley <laughs> or whatever was it was it? Oh, no Dino Mutt that Dino, was something. Yeah, he's a go go dog person. That's me. And then they had uh, Arnim Zola, the uh, Hydra agent, made a cameo appearance. The guy with a big face in his chest and then the camera on the top. He he was one of the villains that made a, a sneaky right. cameo, and that was really great. He's and, like the face of Bo. <laughs> yeah. Is it, it kid-friendly? I mean, is it... I, I guess... How, if if I say Avengers was kid friendly, is Captain America it, it's, of the it's same in the same ilk? It, you know, if, if your okay. kids survive the Avengers and really enjoy yeah. it, they'll really enjoy this. And and quite okay. honestly, if you liked the elevator or the hallway fight in Old Boy, yeah. you will enjoy the elevator, <laughs> the elevator fight in Captain America because I know they were thinking about this. And Chris Evans was a brilliant hero, and Black Widow got to do some uh, great uh, work. And there's a scene with Samuel L. Jackson as. Uh, He's he's sealed the deal that he's Nick Fury for me now because uh, he did a really great job in this car chase scene and okay lots and lots of fun. Which is hard I, to I really do when you don't it. have any depth perception. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get some sort of shield robo eye or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, totally, totally a, a fun film. But I was more interested in the preview for Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think is my my go to film for the summer. 
That was so cool. And, you know, it's so funny because that was such a little-known series. I loved it. Right. I, I have Guardians of the Galaxy number one still. Right? Yeah. I can't wait to see Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I just can't wait to see Rocket Raccoon be a badass live. <laughs> <laughs> and Star-Lord. Who? Yeah. Star-Lord? Well, Star-Lord is never... Yeah. Star-Lord who who Lord calls is, him that? He's kind well, of a him, non-character, basically. really. I mean, he's just kind of like, ooh, I'm thinking deep galactic thoughts and it's like yeah blow it out your ass <laughs> danny pooty from uh, community shows up in it too oh so that that's cool to see him and and by the way community this season has been just fantastic awesome so Over i'm a top. huge dan Harmon fan and someone pointed me to Harmontown the podcast and you know kids don't listen to other podcasts unless you can also handle tank, tank riot uh but but Harmontown <laughs> is a great way to get a little insight from him but boy the D episode was a lot of fun and I just, I truly enjoy that show. And the G.I. Joe episode, G.I. Jeff. That, where. Oh, that was almost creepy. It was really creepy. It was my childhood right there. Yeah. And I'm sure it was Dan Harmon's as well. But G.I. Joe and Cobra joining teams, Yo Jobra, to fight the, <laughs> the Jeff team. And the public service announcements and I the commercials. It was really weird. I mean, they would actually intersperse it with these clips. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh my God. Huh. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And as a kid, I remember I used to get nosebleeds all the time because I've had a broken nose. And the, the G.I. Joe PSA was kids if your nose is bleeding lean back and that's exactly wrong that's right. exactly what you're not <laughs> and suffocate in your own blood choke on your own blood to death children <laughs> want to go out like Jimi Hendrix <laughs> uh, there's also a video online of one of the old PSAs where um, there's an electrical cable on the ground and a couple kids skateboard up to it it's like a down power cable yeah and this uh, bald uh, black uh, hero from G.I. Joe team comes up to the kids and basically it's overdubbed. But what he's really saying is, you know, stay away from the cable and don't touch it. But someone overdubbed it. So he's saying, oh, man, check out that thing, man. What do you want to do with it? Let's launch over it. Who wants a body massage? Uh, what did he just say to us? Mr. Bottom Massage Machine. Go! Uh, what the hell? Bottom Massage. G.I. Joe! <laughs> it's the creepiest thing I've seen. <laughs> the internet is filled with the creepiest things. But yeah, I love Community. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, that is a great show. I, I think this is probably their best season since they first started, really. I mean, well, I mean, that was Dan Harmon, too. In, in, yep. When he went away. And they got rid of Chevy Chase again. Good, thank goodness. Yes. Shows are always better when Mr. Chase is gone. I know. Just saying, bit of a personality there. Yeah, bit of a <laughs> yeah something. <laughs> We're not sure what. I've but, also had my nose uh, buried deep in a couple books lately. Um, I, I'm a huge uh, John Scalzi fan, so I'm reading um, the Android's Dream. It's an older book of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I also managed to get the Humble Bundle. Uh-huh. Which is, it's got another Scalzi book in it. And it's also got Will Wheaton reading Homeland, the latest Cory Doctorow. <laughs> uh, and the Viking wow. Princess cool. and I read together um, the Little Brother novel. It's a young adult novel, but uh-huh. it's based at trying to show kids about um, the power of the government and what they're doing with freedom and how kids can circumvent that in some imaginary ways, but some realistic ways, like uh, Paranoid Linux kind of ways to run secure programs and some of these cool. were implemented after little brother as a way to kind of show how you could do some of these things and and cory has got a really great eye for explaining concepts that mm-hmm. i might have mentioned it in previous <clears throat> podcasts where i was talking to her all about you know x y and z and the code breakers of world war ii and then all of a sudden cory doctorow in the next paragraph 
covers the topic extremely well and uh, and lays it out there for her so she can really understand it. So it was a great time to talk her through the whole thing. But mm-hmm. uh, we haven't started listening to Homeland yet, but it's really great that Will Wheaton is reading it. And we, yeah. we'll probably just sit and listen to Will Wheaton yeah. uh, talk to yeah. us about... Uh, Actually, his rent went way up for me when he went on Big Bang Theory. Oh, he, he used to annoy the piss yeah. out of me when he was on Next Gen. I but... always liked him on Next Gen. I, I just yeah. liked that he was a kid <laughs> in a candy shop, had all the fun in the world, even though he's explained some experiences you know, with the chat were not always the best. Right. Um, and being a kid, you know, fan, you know, to people must have been hard, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also liked his appearance in the web series that he was in, uh, The Guild. Oh, yes. That yeah. was really great. Okay. Yeah. Efficient. Um All right. But I had to put every other book down because uh, a listener gave us two copies of the first two sci-fi novels by Dan Suarez, The mm-hmm. uh, Demon and uh, Freedom TM. Okay. Okay. Dan's got a new book out called... Influx. So ah. Influx is a completely separate novel, but what they're doing is talking about people developing the future technological breakthroughs and then finding out that there's a glass ceiling above them of the people who've already developed those technological breakthroughs and are keeping it down from the rest of the country so that or the rest of the world so we don't all find out about these technological breakthroughs and uh, it doesn't create mass chaos in society. Oh, okay. And how they use their super technology <clears throat> To shield the world from the advances that they're uh, enjoying the privileges of. And it's really, I'm halfway through it, and it's totally fascinating. Really Mm -hmm. well done. Really well thought out. And spooky. Very spooky. Okay. Think of it like S.H.I.E.L.D. existing and and stopping us all from achieving our dreams. (laughs) Wow. He's a great sci-fi author. I'm really enjoying it. I'm taking a break from the heady stuff. And uh, currently now I'm reading This Is Your Captain Speaking. (laughs) Uh, but you know the guy who played. Uh, no, I, no, I can't remember his <laughs> yes. name. Um, your love turn. boat thing. Yeah, love boat. The, yeah, okay. Meryl Steubing. Uh, <laughs> it's like his years in showbiz, and he has all the showbiz wow. stories. Nice. It's just, it's just kind of funny. Does he tell the one about Julie? <laughs> Locking yourself. <laughs> There's in like that. all the dirt in there. I mean, <laughs> which is cool. Well, speaking of reading books, uh, my dad just heard a uh, presentation about some guy that like does stuff he's psychologist or something and the whole point of the lecture was that reading is really good for kids it helps develop their brain oh yeah and he can show a difference between kids who don't read and kids that do as far as brain activity oh yeah I have no so, uh, fundamental that's that's right so <laughs> well, it's true though i mean and, reading and, is good you know you don't you don't see kids like looking at e-readers or anything so yeah, it does seem like it's kind of one of those things that's kind of falling by the wayside. I mean, if you just do a search engine and you say, oh, well, the answer to this bar question is, you know, whatever, It's you don't really ever develop a deeper understanding mm. of things. So, yeah, it, I know because I work with a lot of millennials and, and, and uh-huh. they might know what you're talking about at the most superficial level. But if you just right. scratch a little bit, it's just like it collapses. But I got to yeah, tell you, yeah. after a hard day's work, you know, I, I do I do some crazy math sometimes and I have to sit down with the Viking princess and help her through, uh, you know, beginning algebra. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes go to Wolfram Alpha <laughs> and, and type in the equation and Wolfram gives you a nice uh, plot out of the algebra solution. So he you, shows his work. Well, it, yeah, it's just because otherwise I got to sit down and do all the work by hand and I'm like, this right. is yeah. taking up my whole evening. You, oh, no, no, you well, can easily do it, but I do cheat sometimes when I'm teaching or working well, with the kids with math. But well, I'm just saying, it's yeah. like you, you don't you don't see a lot of people 
just reading a book sure. or, you know, ha- with or yeah. with an e-reader or something at lunch or just sitting out in the park or something. You just don't see that much anymore. And that's one reason I really yeah. like the Humble Bundle. I don't know if you guys ever get into those, but I try to give more than the minimum, of course, because they don't get a lot of money when the authors put their books on there. Mm-hmm. But especially for young adult books, you can get, you know, eight to ten books uh, from different authors. And mm-hmm. then you get a bundle of e-books so that you can throw them in the iPad for uh, you know, your kids or whatever, or even for myself, obviously, because pi- I, wa- I got Pirate Cinema from Cory Doctorow as well from one of those. And I really like having a bunch of different books to choose from in an iPad. And then I love having my hard copy book. Yeah. You know, I just I, I love hard I copy go, books. I go back and forth, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, the, mm-hmm. e- the e-reader is yeah. great for convenience just because it's like you, you hear about something – and you look up a review on it, and then you just download it. I mean, that is really nice. Right. But I for do. this Dan Suarez, I'm yeah. racing the library on a 14-day loan oh, to, to finish this goddamn thing before I have to give the hardcover back. Uh-huh. It used to be that was no problem at all for me, but now it's just like, no, 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 hold on a minute. 14 days? What do we look like, Einstein? <laughs> <laughs> it helps if you don't talk, if you don't mouth the words. Don't move your mouth while you're reading it. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Ed, take the peanut butter out of your lips. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely got to find more time to read. I mean, I am reading, but I know it's. Well, I got so many house projects right now. With, I know, especially with the weather getting up. nicer and everything too. It's, yeah, it's just like everybody's you know coming out of their their holes because this has been an ass bite of a winter. In it fact, snowed we, yesterday. Or I, something. Yes, <laughs> how fucked up was that? I just I just got on the bike and biked anyway. Fucking weather. It's summer. It's spring already. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Halfway through April, you should not. You know, you should not hear the S word anymore at all. But oh no, not so much. Not so but much. But it's strange if you look at the global maps, you can tell that we're in a cold spot. But you can tell that everywhere else is in a lot of elevated heat spots. And you know, technically, even though it's our coldest, you know, worst, I don't know, ugliest winter in a while, it's still yeah. on the scale a warmer year. Oh, God. We're just not feeling any of that. No. no, Not really. It's going to be fall before we know it. (laughs) So, uh, and uh, I'm sure our our esteemed governor is uh, gearing up for his uh, re-election, which I'm sure he'll dance right into. Well, you heard that listeners have uh, pointed out that, uh, was it the state assembly? The state Republicans decided that we should be allowed to secede? (laughs) <laughs> there, yeah there was some talk about that at the convention i think, I I think know, may second they'll vote on it yeah i don't know if they got it in their <laughs> platform from yeah. what from the federalists <laughs> collectivists you know, from the united the states government the government yeah that i don't acknowledge <laughs> so we would be the what the federal republic of wisconsin oh, or something Christ. or you what know, would they call it or the next the, do we think we're alabama or something because I, something. Yeah. We're, we're acting pretty southern up here we're getting that uh, way i mean yeah. we're really getting that way what a kick in the nuts to all the union soldier families that you know are from the state state <laughs> yeah. of wisconsin yeah. Yeah. the secession was a, the iron legion yeah uh, yeah uh-huh yeah those were goofy hats so you gotta you gotta <laughs> give them that I mean, it's like, wow, it's bad enough you're going shoulder to shoulder with muzzle loaders that are like, what, 52 caliber or something? I love the Veterans Museum up, yeah. up by the Capitol. Wow. And, yeah. and then you got to go in with those weird pilgrim hats. <laughs> it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> At least in the South, they had the, you know, the cool plumes. And, you know, everything looked all very dashing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but as we know from war history, dashing does not 
equate war victor no no i yeah. mean well nazis, nazis evolution yes. of evil i mean <laughs> uniforms by hugo boss yeah. <laughs> do you ever wonder if uh maybe we're the baddies <laughs> i mean we've got the skull and crossbones on our hats yeah <laughs> no this is cool no we're the good guys come on sure? man you gotta it's just like well black. you can wear this <laughs> Or you could wear this, all basic black, with the black knee boots and the death's head. It's like, oh, me, 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 me. <laughs> well, that's what it was. I, I'm halfway through this documentary, and I forgot the title. Maybe I'll remember it for the next show. But all it is is uh, old films of the Third Reich, really before the war got started. Right. No real commentary on it. They just do their thing. And it's all like, you know, yeah. marching and getting together and, yeah. you know, kind of <laughs> rallies. And, you know, they're all, all the rallies were big, man. Yeah. They're <laughs> just getting all excited about all their uniforms. Oh, we're going to have the big, big Nuremberg rally in 1939 mm. canceled because we're going into Poland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! Every so, year they used to have those those you know huge huge rallies, and everyone would get yeah. all dressed up in their like, you know, Hitler Youth uniforms and everything. And it's like, oh no, it's canceled this year. Literally was canceled yeah. just like a couple of days before. It's like, no, we're kind of surging into Poland, so <laughs> yeah, we kind of need some of these boots on the ground going east. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, oh, yeah. um. I was trying to think, uh, uh, oh, uh, there's been some more senseless shootings, too. So, of course, uh, the Malaysian flight has finally been bumped from the news. I mean, because uh, you, you can always tell, it's like, okay, we we cannot cover this anymore. It's like, I, I think I heard a ping. Wouldn't you get, like, like an auditory hallucination or something? If you were a sonar guy. Sure. You know, it'd be like if you were if you were yeah. driving, 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 and you got velocitized. But the same thing, you're listening so hard for something, sure. and then it's like, did you just hear that? Did you just hear <laughs> was that? that a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah. It's well, like you know, if the box fart, if the box was damaged, and there's a limited time that the ping is going to be running anyway, if the box isn't damaged, so I don't know. You almost have to have a computer to analyze it. Yeah, you know, which maybe they do. I don't know, but well, yeah, and then, and the families keep saying, well, we can't get closure, we can't get closure, and it's like, hey. Um, You're not the only one. Not I mean, everybody it's gets not closure. like this hasn't no, happened before. No, I mean, do you, you, you think that they're going to find them on Gilligan's Island or something, or they're just going to show up at your door? I mean, it would be nice if years, that would happen, but... and you know, hopefully yeah. they will find the plane, but it, it, there is no guarantees. It's not like it's No, a, no. Well, it was like it's during not like Vietnam. A, yeah, it's not a money-back guarantee kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Someone would get shot down over Laos, and they go, oh, well, it's possible they're like in a prison camp or something. Nah, Path at Lao didn't take prisoners, so No. Yeah, they're yeah. not they're not holding uh-huh. out in a jungle somewhere. I mean, I'm not trying I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, but it's just like when they say, "Oh, well, we we can't get closure," and it's like, "Well, yeah. the plane's been gone for a long time. They're they're gone." Yeah, you I might mean, just, you might not. You, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you're not, not always see the wreckage. Not always yeah. a happy ending. You look at the ear so, hearts. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for closure on that one. I yeah. am too. I'm still kind of waiting uh-huh. for closure. Find a shoe or something. <laughs> Maybe they'll, they'll find can. the Malaysian uh, jetliner on top of Amelia Earhart's oh, plane. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a big heap and help and irony. <laughs> oh, man, this is like all the missing planes. <laughs> what is it about Howland Island? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, should we talk about William Randolph Hearst? Or Billy, as I like to call him. W-R. W-R. <laughs> who shot W-R? Who shot W-R? Or who, or who did W-R shoot? That was, that, and we'll get to that later. Later. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
William Randolph Hearst is one of these characters where you could, and it's kind of funny too, is when you do research on him, mm-hmm. it's like some of the, the more negative things of his life. And I mean, let's be honest, he, he was kind of in that same vein as, uh, you know, like robber barons, sure. you know, of the 19th century. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was this guy, his father was very wealthy uh, you know, it's sort of like Donald Trump. It's like, oh, I'm a man of the people. And it's like, yeah, but you, you've you always known this incredible wealth. So I I don't see how you could. Yeah, his dad was a man's man who made his wealth off of silver mines and yeah. and other, other mines. And then uh, his mom was really into art and culture. So right. he was raised in one of these privileged. Yeah. You know, mom was essentially a debutante. Right. And, yeah. Professional debutante. <laughs> <laughs> And in the you know, and the old man, yeah, he he got his first newspaper because he won it in a poker game, right? You know, and he just <laughs> gave it to Billy and said, "Hey, uh, San Francisco's you, Examiner, right? Yeah, what are you going to yeah. make out of this? Well, yeah. I can make a dragonfly. Can... <laughs> 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 call, call. <laughs> oh no, look, there's a sale at Penny's. <laughs> well, it looks like a big Tylenol. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking." William Randolph Hearst was was one of these. I mean, America produced a lot of these kind of people in the 19th century. These, uh, you know, I am wealthy and I I have a right to rule. <laughs> you know, and and William Randolph Hearst definitely fits in that category. Even though he always presented himself as a man of the people, I, I think you could you could truly say he had many very real fascist qualities about the sure. way that he went about. His business and things that he got involved in and so forth. And mm-hmm. and then, of course, you know, we'll get into the whole Citizen Kane brouhaha, <laughs> apple pie hubbub. Yeah, so he was born in 1863, so he was... During the Civil War. Yeah. yeah. War baby. Yeah, war baby. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that sounds weird. <laughs> you know, well... <laughs> It's not. I mean, War Baby is usually like you know, oh, I'm going to the front, and it's our last night together. And, yeah, okay, that's you true. know, Dad. So, dad but I, it's like me and... being born during Vietnam, I don't really feel like a... <laughs> I'm like a nom. Yeah, I'm, I'm a nom yeah. baby. I'm a nom. But baby. it is interesting how what percentage of the population is born during an actual war period. I remember the wow. nom. You know, considering when I was we're at one war, year old. an awful lot. Well, I mean, you start doing, yeah. you know, I mean, that's kind of like Freakonomics when you start taking in all the, you know, the yeah. various things. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that goes, people always say, oh, well, when there's a war on, there's less crime and so forth. It's like, no, there's not. There's actually more. I mean, j- just think of like a bunch of monkeys. If two of them start fighting, you think the rest of the monkey cage is just going to sit there and go, uh, I... I'm going to pretend this isn't happening. Yeah. No, they're going to get all weird. <laughs> they're jumping around, beating the yeah, shit out of yeah. one another. It's just a primate thing. Domestic abuse mm-hmm. goes way up. Everything goes way up during a war. Yeah. As From well as reproduction. Multiple causes, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, <laughs> Bill might have been a war baby in that aspect. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, I don't know, I guess what i just looking at is uh, birth date and his death date. He died in 1951. Uh, oh, sorry for the spoilers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, okay. I mean, he's, but anyway, he's so, dead? so that puts his <laughs> lifespan for the Civil War through World War II. Yeah, and actually, yeah. let's see, what year was Korea? Did he bump and get into that? 50. 50, yeah. So 50 he hit even Korean War a bit. Yeah. So if I remember my mash episodes, <laughs> so from muskets to the jet age. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. Harry Truman was another one like that, too. Yeah. You know, and then he died like in the early 60s. I mean, he was born slightly after the Civil War. But yeah, um, being from the South, 
after the Civil War is pretty much during the Civil War. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what time is it in Iowa? Oh, about 1893. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, got you, Apply Iowa. Apply south. <laughs> there are really nice people in Iowa. Yeah, Iowanians. Yeah. Sure, there are, eh? <laughs> I mean, I'd be batshit crazy, too, if I would live in that much corn and flat, you know? It is weird, though, man. Yeah, it's just, it's so wide open there. I know. And, and you know, that when they yeah. have that, was it the Ragbray bicycle marathon? It's like, yeah. oh, my God, I would just, like, I you know, break smoke and call for a chopper dust off. It's like, <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. I can only look at so yeah. much of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You get some audiobooks going and just pedal. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe yeah. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> well, anyhow. But we digress. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Citizen Kane. Oh no, it's not. It wasn't really Citizen Kane. Wr. Wr. Yeah, well, he, he dropped out of Harvard. Hey, I did too. Not much of a school, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I says, I says, hey. <laughs> hey, JFK, fuck you. I'm out of here. Out. <laughs> I'm joining the Peace Corps. <laughs> Skull and bones this. Skull and bones. Oh, that's Yale, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry. Yale. Well, like there's a difference. I'm a Princeton man myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Brown University. Brown. <laughs> Dartmouth. <laughs> Love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, Iowa State things. College. <laughs> yeah, I, <was> <laughs> yeah. I, I went to cosmetology school, <laughs> just like our governor. <laughs> Beauty oh, school drop. Our governor didn't do that. No, he didn't go to. Don't, don't give him our credit governor, for something. Our governor went to college right? but dropped out. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or was kicked out, or whatever. Either. Well, he was. We're not he was sure molesting collies. <laughs> something. We're, we're not something sure like that. We're not that sure. theory's as plausible as any, actually. <laughs> well, you know, now he's trying to get a he's trying to get a flex degree. Oh Jesus! Yeah. You know, because because where I work, they do these flex degrees, wow. uh-huh. and so he's he's trying to get one, and I'm like, yeah, I wonder if he'll get it. <laughs> Is there one for conniving dickery? Yeah. <laughs> I declare dickery. You are a master of conniving You, you, you sir, know. should be teaching this class. Good day. It might take him a while to finish his degree because you can only eat so many Cracker Jacks per day. <laughs> yeah, so. no Talk about someone who moves his mouth when he reads. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, no. We kid, but... We we love him. No, uh, no, <laughs> we don't. No, there's nothing there. But you know the whole thing about a presidential bid. It's like he'll never make it past the Iowa straw polls because that man cannot be photographed from any angle where he doesn't look like Fred Flintstone's dumber brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. I mean, he really doesn't look good. <laughs> you prehistoric dumb dumbs. <laughs> but look how low the bar is. Yeah, no I mean, shit, <laughs> right? I mean, after George W., really, isn't anything possible? It's like, yeah. I don't have to speakly good. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, representing the stupidity of America, he might do a great job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 50% of us have to be below average. So, yeah. <laughs> we, can't, uh, we can't all get a we, hug. We can't all be on the top. <laughs> this ain't uh, Garrison you know, Keeler country here. The salt of the earth, the comically of the New West, you know, morons. <laughs> morons. 
<laughs> but but I, I don't think that he'll win a re-election to governor. Um, oh, you got to be shitting me. No, because I think Wisconsin, we've, we can talk about this later, but I think Wisconsin didn't no, agree. No, we'll talk about it now, little mister. They didn't yeah. agree with the whole recall because they uh, a proportion of the state felt like that wasn't part of the democratic process. And I think even those... We're very polite here. Yeah. <laughs> even those people I'll are feeling that... chance. You know? <laughs> Off to a rough start. He's trying. Yeah. Look at him. Patch. Sometimes he stays till five, six o'clock at night. night. Yeah. But and, and I guess some of this does rely on the Democratic part of the equation. If the Democratic Party could, for once, get its head out of its ass, oh, I know. Throw some that, numbers. That's of the tough the, part. You know, if if you look at charts of how Wisconsin job numbers are going, how the Wisconsin economy is going compared to all the other states in the union, yeah. even you, Alaska and Alabama, you know, yeah. there, there's a we're couple. Looking at you, yeah, Louisiana. Well, we're not oh. looking at you because you're a little farther down. But <laughs> anyway, um, if they can show those numbers to the public, the public would say, okay, everything he said he would do, he's not doing, and we're not even going in the right direction. Uh, toward what he said he was going to do, and you can't blame all that oh, on you're Obama. Giving, you're giving Scani's way too much fucking. Well, I, I am, and I, yeah. I just don't see this. I I'm don't looking see at this. the facts, and I believe I have to change my political <laughs> point of view. Oh yeah, I've seen that happen like never. <laughs> Three people. <laughs> Actually, you know, a very common sign that I saw during the re-election was Santa didn't bring me what I wanted for Christmas, so I'm. I'm impeaching him or something, right, right. you know, because that—that's how they felt in Wisconsin. It was like, right. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll he was see. duly elected. I don't know. I'll, why I'll buy you a Jaguar malt liquor if he wins. And... A red Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, great. I, I need blindness. You can buy me some Pennsylvania <laughs> Dutch blindness and hallucinations. <laughs> Polls are uh, right at fifty-fifty now, I think. And, well, who's uh, voting for Sue Storm, the Invisible Girl? The, you mean Mary Burke? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that is the quietest campaign (laughs) I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the uh, there's an (laughs) unknown quantity here in that she's female. Yeah. And and I don't see that as a, you know, a job or prerequisite or anything like that. But you can't predict what the electorate will do. Uh, with the first chance to vote a female candidate for governor. True. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's right. So uh, that could work for or against. And uh, th- there's some while in the campaign, and you know, crazy things probably will happen yeah. one way or another for scandals or you know, huge sums of money from Koch brothers and that kind of thing. True. So, well, unfettered yeah. money. We're we're getting back to the the beginnings of the Hearst industry, robber yeah. baron times, because of the yep. oh yeah, the Supreme Court's ability to allow <laughs> Koch brother people money to throw money anywhere yes. they want. Each. I mean, there's right. still a limit yeah. on each individual <laughs> one, but you can throw millions all across the country. Well, of course now. you can. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, but it's like, well, I don't believe that's corruption in any... <laughs> no, I... I don't know why I'm doing Foghorn Leghorn, but it just it. works so well. But just keep doing it. Yeah. It works perfectly for me. It's just... I mean, the, the Supreme Court, anyways, I mean, they're... I, what I can't wait for is, like, their decisions are almost a given. Right. Because you've got the imbalance with the conservatives. And I don't mean just they're conservative. I mean they're loony conservative, mm-hmm. especially like Scalia leading the pack there. Yeah. But uh, I love reading <laughs> their 
their reasons afterwards. Those are just choice. Wow. I mean, so how do you hammer that together? Oh my God. Some of it is just blather and it's like, and you're sitting in the highest court in the land. Yep. That's amazing. You really don't give a shit, do you? No, they don't. No, they <laughs> I'm don't. in here for life. I'm not wearing anything under this robe. Yeah. You know, speaking of legal speak, uh, maybe if we wrote an end user license agreement on all the uh, money that we spend, and you know, so right, the recipient of no the, one reads those. The, the recipient, no one. Reads <laughs> I would those. just agree to it. The, the, no one reads those, but they're legally binding. So oh, fine. So you have that. It's like a eula. So right, right on our it's dollar like bill. Right on our dollar bill. Binding. The the uh, the recipient of this bill may not use this bill to re- support Republican candidates. There you go. <laughs> we can, you can do sure, it. No. Sure, I'll buy that candy bar here. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, what do you guys think about uh, uh, Colbert dropping his character and taking over the Letterman? I'm kind of nervous. Here? I mean, uh, yeah, that could go either way, but that's it. That's interesting. I watched I mean, Letterman up. give his announcement because I heard he was going to give an announcement. And I was like, uh-huh. holy crap, I better watch and. You know, he was my childhood. He was like my childhood hero oh, yeah. on television. And I love I watched his daytime show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've kind of I've kind of stopped kind of watching him as much. I, me too. I'll get me back too. on that because I really do want to see the end of his time. But um, yeah, me too. Wow, sad to see him go, but he deserves the vacation. Oh, absolutely. Um, and um, mm-hmm. I, 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 this will be interesting. I mean, I can see how Colbert would get tired of the constrictions of of playing that character over and over. It, it's and kind over of you again. can only do so much for the character. Yeah, and yeah. he's done that. I mean, that there's not many more spots in the eagle that can well, paint red, white, and blue. Right. But, but so. one of the things one of the things about this is that true his ability to do satire isn't just hinged to his conservative character i mean no no not he at can all. satire the hell out of everything it's I'm just sure a matter right. of yeah what is his real personality going to be and is it going to be satire out all sides in a certain way or is it i mean he can still be left-leaning and pointing out things if he wants to but mm-hmm. it'll just be really interesting to see stephen colbert as a real person mm-hmm. rather than the character that i just don't know i would how think that would play. have to be very freeing <laughs> but yeah i mean i've loved him since you know strangers with candy so mm-hmm. i can't imagine he's not going to be able to play this well all right, so that said, have we said anything really about his family and his mother? <laughs> she was uh, Phoebe Apperson. Phoebe. Which yeah. which was my name at one time. <laughs> Phoebe that Apperson. That was a long time ago. Phoebe <laughs> Apperson. <laughs> so while I was doing the research for this, I kept thinking of that Saturday Night Live skit. This was like first season. Dan Aykroyd played... William Randolph Hearst or, you know, a character like that. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing all, he was real fast talking. It was like a flashback and, you know, it was like the turn of the century. And everyone was saying like, oh, these circulation numbers are awful. There's, and he goes, whoa, there's, there's, it's a slow news day. There's no news. And he's like reaches in his desk. And pulls and out a gun. Gun. And he starts oh. shooting out the window. He said, yeah, there's a sniper. And holy I remember, shit. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's not terribly unlike the wow. kind of journalism that Hearst did. I mean, it was yeah. it was officially called yellow journalism. Uh-huh. Well, we should we should get into that because um, it all started basically in New York City. New York. This sauce is from New York City. <laughs> yeah, get a rope. And the term uh, came from uh, some cartoon. So the yellow yeah. kid, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the yellow kid. He um, was first in one of Pulitzer's newspapers. 
uh, what was it? The New York World. And um, this is the man before the prize. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Joseph Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and you can you conflicted can, character. Yeah, you know, as as Hearst is, and I mean, Hearst is less conflicted to me in a lot of ways than Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. But one uh-huh. thing you do have to hand to Hearst is that he did hire a lot of really great writers. Yeah, and, and a lot of them from Pulitzer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because they were in this huge like death battle. To, it's like, no, no, I, you can't work for Joseph Pulitzer. Yeah, I will pay yeah. you so much more. And apparently, Hearst made a, a you know a nicer working environment. Yeah, and that's why a lot of them moved over to his paper. Well. When well, if we're talking about the yellow journalism thing, the the whole way that that all started, like Hearst yeah. bought, so so you needed. He started comic strips and he started livening up newspapers. Right. And part of Pulitzer's thing was <laughs> on the long march to USA Today, the McPaper. <laughs> right. Right. So so if there's anything you take away from our conversation today, it's you can blame Hearst for infotainment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you really can blame him for infotainment. He he was like a prototype Rupert Murdoch, I, I think you could say in a lot of ways, because he, he, he didn't control just newspapers. Right. But you have to remember, too, that it's hard to remember, but, you know, newspapers was the main source of information for people for many, many, many decades. Yeah, the internet was really slow back then. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, the I internet. mean, your modem was just... I'm getting .1K. DSL, <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Richard Outcall did one of the first comic strips, which didn't mm-hmm. really, I don't think really had a title, but this one character became really well known, and he became known as the Yellow Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a way to liven up the paper by having a comic, and sometimes it was just a one-panel, like, political cartoon kind of thing, where he would state some something obvious or something that's going on in the country. The Yellow Kid's name was Mickey Dugan or something like that, but mm-hmm. they mimicked him at the at the Hearst paper, and then there was the lawsuit and then they were allowed to have him in his type of character in both both papers. But basically, that yellow kid became a, a commentary on the world and became this slander of each other. So right. the character was used to make fun of Pulitzer, and then the character was used to make fun of Hearst. And Hearst right. bought out Alcal and brought him to Hearst's paper mm-hmm. and paid him just tons of money to just try to destroy Pulitzer. So there was right. this war between the newspapers, and, and that's what fed into – I mean – I don't know how much we want to dwell on that, but fed into what led into the Spanish-American War. But a right. lot of what they were doing was exactly that Dan Aykroyd kind of thing where, yeah. you know, there's nothing going on here in this city. We'll make something up. We'll make manufacture something. the news. Yeah, we'll manufacture yeah. something we'll, interesting. Uh-huh. We'll just drill on this mm-hmm. until it becomes like a national sensation. And Joseph Pulitzer was just as guilty of it. In sure, fact, he sure. was doing it probably before Hearst really got involved in it. But uh-huh. between the two of them, their struggle for dominance of the newspaper industry in New York – is and it's so funny now because the Pulitzer Prize is one of those things that's always like for the best in journalism or investigative uh-huh. journalism or right. you know right. writing or something. But it, you know, the Hearst so, Prize, I don't know. Not, not a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but don't you think that the Mickey Dugan character is kind of a? Do we talk about this in our Mad Magazine when we talked about Mad Magazine and the the Alfred E. Newman character? Yeah. I mean. He was kind of yeah. He was like the everyman doofus yeah. that was. I'm sure it was an inspiration. For it was kind of like magazine. a Forrest Gump kind of. You know, it's like, well, I don't know, but this is what I think, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of like uh, face in the crowd. You ever see that movie? Thankfully, no. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll tell you something, okay. Andy. Andy Griffith. Maybe I like it. He had before he became the sheriff of Mayberry. He did some roles that were. There were some things like No Time for Sergeants and everything mm-hmm. where, you know, he kind of played the doofus there, too. Oh, was that with Don Knotts? They, like... I, I don't remember if... Andy! Andy! <laughs> 
But yeah, I love Donna. But a face in the crowd. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, or if our listeners are not familiar with it, it's it's really well worth watching because. Patricia O'Neill plays this newspaper person. She's just trying to find these authentic, you know, American voices and everything. And and when she first meets Andy Griffith, he's this, you know, drunk, angry guy that's in jail. And she starts kind of coaching him and everything. And then pretty soon he becomes this essentially right-wing voice for everything. And the, and the only reason that – well, I, w- I won't ruin the ending for you, but it's not the Andy Griffith you're used to. Let me just put it that way. He's he's like psychotic and and mean. Nice. And, and so he has range. Yeah, he does have range. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that he's he's he would be like a Tea Party candidate. But this movie was done in like the 50s. Uh huh. You know, but well, this was, was definitely they just didn't call it the Tea Party back then. They didn't call it the Tea Party. Then. You're right. I mean, this isn't like anything new under the sun. You're yeah, right, yeah. Tor. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's it's kind of interesting because this is the sort of thing that that Hearst and Pulitzer really really did was mm-hmm. is they they would just get all these people and they would focus in on certain events to the exclusion of all others and you know this was yeah. like what Hitler and Goering called the big lie if you repeat it enough times people are going to start to think at the very least there's something to this and even the people who know better Start thinking. Well, everyone seems to be thinking this way. Maybe there's, yeah. some, you know, you start you start getting self doubt, and it's like, no, you're just saying the same well, thing in a megaphone uh-huh. over and over. And they, yeah, I like Noam Chomsky's way of saying it's manufacturing consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah it's a, it's the same thing. There must be something wrong with this. Uh... Obama, he's born in Kenya, and, <laughs> and he's you know, a Muslim. He's a Muslim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I would, I would point out, Tor. I mean, yes, I, I disagree with so much of what's going on with Fox News and everything like that, and and with the Koch brothers, you know, funding so many candidates, which I'm sure is going to be, it's going to be just a fire hose of cash to the Republican Party. Oh, sure, of course. But but it's also going to be the Democratic Party in some ways. There's just not as many. Oh. Of these, I wouldn't say there's not as oh, many. I, I think I, I think I think there's an equal number be of snouts in the trough. Yeah, it'll be know. interesting to see where all this money goes yeah. and and what it does mm-hmm. to our democracy. Now, it's really interesting that our democracy was just uh, published in a recent paper as probably an oligarchy. <laughs> Did you see that paper? Yeah, yeah. And that that I was thinking back because if you think back to these times when you know money ran everything back in the robber baron days when we. Sure. We did a whole show on the robber barons. Yeah. We're, we're headed back in that direction again. And, and I think there I think was a recent study, a and unfortunately I don't have the source because I heard it on the radio, which it must make it true. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> that Hearst Industries. That I read it on Wikipedia. Someone actually analyzed this, and it appears the small-time donors – are not going to have much impact in future elections no. that that it is the big donors because it's those big contributions that then get the notice of the candidate which then translate to legislation that supports the big money donors right and so you know so if i give ten dollars uh you know it might help the candidate win but it's not going to help them uh influence them to vote on the legislation that i want them to vote on right so um, it's a, it's a monopoly in a certain way. Yeah. It's like, oh no, you you can still have your free speech. You can still vote for whatever candidates you want, but we'll just make sure that you know we've painted them into such a corner financially and through media and marketing and so forth. Yeah, that, that you really have no other choice. And well, I mean, it forces you know people like us to find another way to have an influence, mm-hmm. and that 
is uh, a little bit of an unknown right now, exactly how, how the common man is going to f- be influential into society. I think the point of, <laughs> of looking at like a Hearst and a Pulitzer and seeing how long this type of thing has been going on in this country is that I'm not sure at this stage in my life anymore that I have any hope for a uh, one-person-one-vote democracy or representative democracy anymore. I think that this type of thing has been going on for so long, but they always kept it restricted to the uh, smoke-filled back rooms. Now they're just so comfortable now bringing it out and, in fact, legislating for, yeah, sure, give us money. We'll vote any way you want. Or if it's just yeah. like my like we were talking before about you know people not recalling Scott Walker just because they didn't think it was the polite thing to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm almost wondering if it's it's just that as a Midwesterner, I find this just just, just you know distasteful because well, well, my point about the recall is how often do recalls happen and how many of them see recalls as a de- part of the democratic process? Right, the democratic <laughs> process is casting your vote for your candidate, and if your candidate wins, your candidate stays in office which is kind of what happened with Walker. And right. then you throw in a wrinkle like, well, if we get enough votes to do this, then it's it's like chicanery that you're going to do some arbitrary action that will cause him to be right. pushed out of office by a recall vote. No, so I can just see them seeing it as not particularly democratic, even though it is completely democratic. Right. Because yeah. the point of a recall is to use it against candidates who do things once they're elected that are not part of what they told people they would do right. while they were getting elected. When they completely misrepresented them. Which is exactly yeah. what Walker did. Yes, but indeed. a certain portion of the uh, mm-hmm. state was just unable to follow that logic through. Right. No. So, I, I mean, yeah. y- you know, like I say. But that's what I'm saying, too, is, is that I, I wonder if, you know, when, when I heard about the Supreme Court's decision, sure. whether I really felt like, well, if they didn't vote this way— our democracy, you know, the, the dying embers of our democracy would would be fanned into flame. Or just as a Midwesterner, I find that distasteful that they're just <laughs> so out in the open with yeah. the fact that, yeah, here, here's a big bundle of cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. As things get worse, sometimes it's nice when the corruption's obvious. I mean, I yeah. I appreciate obvious corruption versus it also the, desensitizes. The, well, some of the democratic corruption pisses me off just as bad. Where. You know, say there were 99 Democratic senators and one Republican, they'd be saying, well, that one Republican just won't let us pass this legislation because he's threatening a filibuster. So we just got to do whatever the Republican (laughs) wants. Yeah. And that kind of bullshit Toughen it up a bit. No. And that's the point, Tor. I don't think they really mean it. Oh, they don't want to. They don't want any of it to happen. They're in the same boat as the Republicans. And that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly so. Because yeah. like I say, I'm not the, so impressed with the, the same number party. of snouts are at the trough and they're all <laughs> mm-hmm. excited now because right. it's like, ooh, money, 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 right. money, money. But if you have mm-hmm. a solution or some candidates who are really great, I'm willing to listen. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's nice people out there. They're usually found at the local level. And I know some local level yeah. politicians that are actually quite right. nice. I think Bernie Sanders is all right. I think Mark Pocan's all right. I, I think Mark Pocan's all right, yeah. Tammy yeah. Baldwin's probably all right, but she, she's done a couple of votes. I'm not happy with, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, <laughs> so, but overall, but yeah. I would because I mean, at that level, at the Senate level, you're 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 going to be pressed into if you vote for the if you if you vote for this way for my bill, then I'll vote this way for mm-hmm. your bill, and you know you got to believe mm-hmm. she's a minority voice in just about any room. So I do. I'd like to see more name calling in Congress. Yeah, I mean, just tell it like it is. <laughs> like when they had that debate on the Senate floor, 
before the Civil War and the guy like almost beat this other guy to death with his cane, with his walking stick, because he was an abolitionist and this guy was the Southerner. So of course he had a fucking walking stick. <laughs> that only made sense, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a gentleman is never anywhere without his walking stick. <laughs> Especially if you have to beat an abolitionist. <laughs> but yeah, it's maybe time to end the niceties a bit and just tell it like it is. Yeah. It's like when you, every once in a while you get those uh, film clips. Oh, God, I got to tell you this. So they reshuffled all the channels and gave us new ones on our, our cable network. And I got to say, I'm totally addicted to TV Japan. It's like right from Japan. It's all in Japanese, <laughs> and I just sit there and I watch it for the longest time. Because Is it it's game just, shows? It's game shows. Do they it's, subtitle it? No. Oh, yeah? Wow. Well, no, they do, If because every once in a while someone will speak English, and then they'll subtitle it in Japanese. <laughs> Japanese. You know, which... <laughs> Not okay. helping me a whole lot, <laughs> yeah. but um, so yeah, they got they got the game shows, they got commercials, they got arts and craft shows, <laughs> they have these weird little. Um, it, it's kind of like on uh, Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. They have these these tiny little shows that are just like ten fifteen minutes long, but they're like serials, you know. And they'll oh, just yeah. like show up in between <laughs> shit, you know. Wow. But I mean, it's it's hilarious to watch. the The most fun thing is their sports shows. Oh my God, these are great. It's almost invariably like an older guy who's doing all the talking, and then a younger guy who just sort of sits and listens, and every once in a while goes, Hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just agrees with everything the guy says. It's, it's awesome. I love TV Japan. My favorite game show I, I saw from Japan recently is the one where they have contestants eat household items like a shoe yes. or a door handle or a table leg. And it's either a household item or it's made of chocolate. <laughs> and they, they don't know until after they've taken a bite out of it or tried to. <laughs> like, who the hell thinks of these games? Yeah, Japanese game shows are really more about, like, you yeah. know, injury and humiliation than they are really about, oh, look, they, they won a brand new car. It's like, nah, they just broke about three teeth. <laughs> So Hearst, he bought a lot of these kind of struggling papers and kind of, you know, put the Hearst model on it. Uh, A lot of them were called penny papers because they actually cost just a penny, Mm -hmm. which at one time, I guess, was a big deal. But you'd and and he would he would use the same Christian Bale would go out to the street and. No, sell them. So I take it you've seen Newsies. Newsies. Oh, that's just embarrassing. It's like you watch me think, this is the Dark Knight. Oh my God, sing that song a little Get your newspaper here. Get your newspaper. (laughs) This is the newspaper you deserve. You don't have my permission to die. (laughs) No. (laughs) But, you know, some of the people that Hearst hired was, you know, like Ambrose Beers. I don't know if you've ever read that. Devil's Dictionary. Mark Twain character. I don't know if you've heard of him. That can't be his real name. (laughs) If that is your real name, Mr. Twain. I'm Bob Twain. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Ambrose Bierce is is like one of my favorite uh, 19th century literary characters because he wrote the Devil's Dictionary. Right. Which has got these incredibly cynical... Uh, satirical definitions of all these different words, and it's just great. And he's one of these guys that you know had this really mysterious death where he just kind of like disappeared, so like nobody knew if he was like just playing a fucking game or not. 
and Jack London, uh, which I think was cool. And, and then, of course, no one can ever forget political satirist Homer Davenport. <laughs> if your name is Homer Davenport, <laughs> you got to be a political cartoonist. Yeah. I mean, Jack London was a very interesting character, too, because, uh, again, I'll make another Star Trek reference. Uh, the one where they go back to San Francisco in the 1890s and uh, Guinan is alive and on earth and shit and oh yeah and they find data's head in a tunnel or something and it, it was like from the 1890s anyway and his his uh his bellboy or his his uh, bellhop is um jack london and he actually did do that before oh. he went on to write and everything he he covered the san francisco earthquake oh and they actually run into mark twain in that episode right oh yeah yeah, yeah. and you know like mark twain it's like, God, does he just have a closet full of white linen suits? Because that's like all you ever see anyone doing Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah, it's like he yeah. never wore anything else. <laughs> I think he pulled out a court, Colt forty five on him or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I have to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatevs. Yeah. But so he, he just kept buying more and more of these papers. And as time went on, of course, he moved into other mediums like magazines. He did glossy magazines as well. Which Some was, which are still around. Yes, yes, he did. He did, uh, which was kind of an innovation for its time because they were quite expensive. Sure. And, and in a lot of ways too, Hearst lost money mm-hmm. uh, more than you know than he made at first. Well, yeah, and in the depression, he yeah he, he was just, indebted too. I mean, he went yeah, through he, he went through some phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was and he used other. Uh, businesses to actually help support the paper i think some of the timber and stuff like that well and that that was kind of one of the things that that was always kind of the big conspiracy theory with um you know going back to our last podcast about uh hemp yeah Yeah. was that at the time you know given the context of the period of time Mm -hmm. there were all these patents that were coming out you know, for all the the many uses of hemp. So again, it was like one of these things like soybeans, which, oh my God, you can use it for 200 different things. Yep. And uh, Hearst at that time had just bought like a whole bunch of timberland and everything to supply the wood pulp for his papers and was definitely one of uh, the supporters in the newspaper of, um, oh God, now I've already forgotten his name. It was Oh, oh, Anslinger? Anslinger, thank you, Harry Mm -hmm. Anslinger, yeah. But, you know, and and I will point out that we got some feedback from a listener about that who pointed us to the Skeptoid podcast, which, episode 401, go listen to it if you want. It drew some conclusions that we already talked about, which is the fact that Anslinger and uh, some of the racial stereotyping and some of those other things were far more responsible for the demise of marijuana as a viable product and as hemp as a viable product. And I think that the the DuPont family and the Hearst family's influence on the demise of the hemp trade is probably overrated and probably more started in the 1980s when that one – I forgot. Go listen to it. But when something was written about how hemp was – Destroyed by. I think the I think the, the book you're talking about is the Emperor Wears No Clothes. Yeah, yeah. But my my rebuttal to yeah. that would be, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I agree with many of the sen- sentiments that he says, <laughs> and I don't know for sure exactly what was going on. And mm-hmm. I I do know he he did rebut the fact that uh, Hearst was a giant uh, timber stakeholder. And looking into that a little bit more, I think they're correct. And a lot of the ranch and and land that Hearst himself actually did own wasn't lumbered. It was cattle ranch, and it was uh, right. where San Simeon was built. So he didn't 
personally hold a lot of those holdings. The, the thing that wasn't addressed, which I think is kind of interesting and could still be a reason mm-hmm. behind um, behind Hearst's opposition to hemp is that it's quite possible that he bought into the whole Anslinger gambit of marijuana being an evil well, drug yeah. because we know that yeah. Hearst was a I teetotaler. more likely that yeah. way. You know, yeah. We, we no, know that he was pretty pretty straight. We can talk about his alcohol uh, leanings later. He he was not into marijuana, and we also know that his tabloids and his um, newspapers often uh, glamorized how you know the violence and destruction and the right. racism. I mean, he pushed how bad marijuana was in the papers. So right. I don't think it's yeah. uh, untoward to think that he would uh, be against hemp for the same I mean, reasons. From what I read, I yeah. I mean, Hearst did have a lot of timber holdings right. simply because you had to to supply that many no. papers. But no, sure. I agree. It wasn't a main motivation. And I think that's an important yeah. point because motivation when, wasn't economic. Yeah, but, but was, right. Or at least not but one from more that thing. respect. One more thing. I'm just going to jump in with one last thing. You guys can tell me what you think. Just because Hearst was rich doesn't also make him an incredibly shrewd and wise businessman. No. Just because no, hemp right. is cheaper doesn't mean that someone's going to automatically, no. you know, the hand of the market's going to force him to buy hemp because it's going to make him more rich. Not necessarily. He might already have plenty of trade agreements with other people to buy their paper right. and therefore want to keep hemp down because he's got good relationships with people who own a lot of paper. And even though it's expensive, he's got the glut and mm-hmm. he's got the control of that market. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to jump on hemp as a means of production. I think the one yeah. common element in her entire career is that he, over- <clears throat> I, I agree with you completely, just because someone's wealthy doesn't mean that you're a shrewd businessman because I think in many ways he overreached himself sure. at several points in his in his life. Sure, and and also the point that you bring up too about the the mar- his his uh, connection to the marijuana prohibition, I would also say is true where a lot of people blame him for America's entry into the Spanish American War. <laughs> rightly it, so. Well, <laughs> rightly so, but in both cases, you know, given the context of the time, that type of imperi- American imperialism. We were kind of moving in that direction anyways, but what what I'm saying is in both cases uh, with Hearst's sensational stories of, you know, like Anslinger's stories that he would publish and all these other kind of apocryphal tales about, well, this guy, you know, axed his whole family and he was a pot smoker. Right. And then, you know, he'd bring up all these things about – I mean, Hearst in a lot of ways in the 1890s was a real drumhead. You know, so he he would constantly be pushing, uh, you know, about, well, you know, Cuba should be free. But, you know, America has lusted after Cuba and its resources for many, many years mm-hmm. for many, many different reasons. And, you know, most that, of them good. Yeah. <laughs> most of them very good reasons. Yeah. Sorry. Cuba's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Cuba is cool. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm lusting after you, Cuba. Didn't mean it. Great <laughs> but you're looking pretty yeah. hot. <laughs> you're looking good. You know you are. You know you are. You're so, working it. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think though that that in both cases though it, it w- because you know Hearst kept the machinery going and the fever pitch kind of high about Spanish colonialism and cruelty and mm-hmm. in in uh, their colony in Cuba and you know with the uh, apocryphal marijuana stories that you have to say that they were a a large contributing factor but not necessarily the tipping point or not necessarily cause and effect. Well, yeah. they, they pushed they pushed the president to send the main down. 
Right. Um, and, and they pushed us to force Cuba's hand. But but what's I mean, this is another weird thing that's kind of lost to history is why the main caught fire in the first place. Um, right. And I don't think anyone will ever really know. No, um, they do know. Well, not not without a shadow of a doubt that the no, the coal bunker blew. You sure? Yeah. Because I thought I thought the last we heard there was some research in the late 90s that it was still I've, undecisively. As, that. as far as I know, they've. <clears throat> Hey man, if you say it's they've taken it's game they, over. they've taken pictures <laughs> of the wreck and everything, and they've they've actually seen the plates were blown out. Cool. Some you know. sailor was probably smoking pot in the coal bunker. Smoking <laughs> Joe, <laughs> and after he killed his family. I mean, yeah. that wasn't uncommon in that period of time when you you were dealing with high pressure <laughs> boilers, and you you had you know uh, a lot of coal sitting around. Sure, sure, and, sure. Uh, but I, I think what it was, I wouldn't, was no, the I wouldn't powder, have been surprised. The powder magazine ignited, and yeah. that, that's really mm-hmm. what killed it. Because again, remember those those huge ships actually used these like big black powder bags. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you got to like the Missouri or something in in World War II, yeah, they're just like putting in a shell and then jamming yeah. in a bunch of powder bags behind it. And yeah, and there was an accident on the Iowa. Iowa. Was that in the well? 90s that was or due 80s? to homosexuality. <laughs> They no, just, remember, remember that how they, it oh. in. well, the whole okay, the, the whole thing was, yeah, <laughs> how how does this? They were they were jamming the pipe, <laughs> jamming it in. No, <laughs> so if you guys remember this story, so so to, to back up a little bit, it's a sixteen inch pipe, man. Yeah, <laughs> come on, take it like a man. <laughs> I'm talking diameter, not length. <laughs> it's girth. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, not yeah, whatever. In any case. During the Reagan years, you know, of course, it's morning in America and morning wood, and we were spent morning wood. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's yeah, it's a good one, Victor. Morning wood. I, I don't think any phrase so perfectly describes the those Simpsons. years. Reagan, morning wood in morning, America. Morning wood in America. Watch the Simpsons when they go by the uh, prison. It says morning wood penitentiary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, so. You know, they, they were throwing money into any kind of defense program. And then somehow or other, some of these old farts must have got nostalgic for the old battle wagons. Because, you know, honestly, battleships by the 80s were like, what the fuck do you need these for? You've got, sure. you know, missile, you know, yeah. missile destroyers. Well, they're got... cool. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's but, what they got. but by this time, period of time, pretty outmoded. I mean, they're slow, they're big, they're easy targets. And, you know, uh-huh. if, you, if you've got like fast moving destroyers with, you know, missiles and it everything. just doesn't, yeah, yeah. you sunk my missile destroyer. It just does <laughs> not okay. the same ring okay, to it. I'll grant you. So, anyways, they're sitting there saying, whoa, whoa, we should bring out these old battle wagons. <laughs> so, they, they, they got all these old beasts out and they refurbished them like the Iowa. Well, uh-huh. the thing was... And the Wisconsin. And the Wisconsin. And the Wisconsin. The Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. So, got to that silent G. I actually got a letter from the Navy uh, since I was a young man in Wisconsin <laughs> suggesting that I sign up for the Navy to sail on the Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Like, they can guarantee you're going to go on the Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, I think that was kind of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm like, no, I think I'll go to college I can't think of anything I'd like to do more than be a deck ape on the Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. It took me like, it took me maybe a year to shake the Navy once they knew I knew Russian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, those fuckers are <laughs> not going to give up. <laughs> hey, 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 yeah, we're, we're still here. Anybody home? <laughs> Hello. You can't come out now. I've got a submarine for you in the polar ice cap. You can do, yeah. you can do a lot of listening. 
Get on the sonar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I keep thinking of uh, <clears throat> down periscope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. do the whale sounds. Do the whale. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, they still had all these old, sure. outmoded, old, you know, huge guns. So yeah. then there was a, this big powder explosion. Then this whole story erupted that these two sailors were having some sort of gay spat, and that's why it happened. You know, so we don't discredit <clears throat> the battle wagon. It's like, mm-hmm. and then very quietly, they retired the battle wagons again. It was like, yeah, it's two gay sailors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Yeah, I remember that shit. I thought it was hilarious back then. I was thinking, really, uh-huh. really. So they're like doing the vil- blasting the village people and <laughs> having a spat. <laughs> well, they actually used them like, in the Gulf War. They, they were shelling, uh, you know, Iraq and Kuwait. Uh, the Iraqi oh, forces yeah. with that, yeah. But yeah, but then after that, it got to be all you know tomahawks and whatnot. Yeah, but well, they put missile launchers on the battleships. Did so they? they? So yeah, so they had the sixteen-inch guns <sighs> and uh, like cruise missile launchers. <laughs> so so that, I mean they're pretty deadly, but but yeah. still like big. Are and you slow still moving? talking sexual euphemisms? I'm <laughs> not sure. <laughs> the world 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 War Two era okay. stuff. WW yeah. two. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, with with the main too. I mean, that was it was just an unfortunate accident. But of course, you know, by this time it was everything was at such a fever pitch. It's the damn Spanish, <laughs> you know. It's like no. Well, yeah, no, and then 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 that's how they wrote the whole thing. And and yeah, you we can blame you. Yeah, so Big didn't time. didn't work, but well, yeah, it did. Yeah, we did. I mean, because then and then we you know we got the plat agreement out of that, and that yeah. pretty much said that was kind of like the reserve clause in Major League Baseball. It's like. Yeah, we pretty much own your ass forever. <laughs> so you can blame him for that. Yeah, I I think we could. All right, I do. So back to the marijuana things. Uh, the the two uh, acts that her specifically editorialized for was the Uniform State Narcotic Drug Act. Yes, and the Marijuana Tax Act of nineteen thirty seven. The tax act was the weirdest thing. Yeah. That was kind of like we're sort of legalizing it, but we're making it almost impossible for you to legally get it. And yeah, right. Yeah. But again, we're talking Weird about stuff. marijuana, not necessarily hemp production. So, I mean, the fact that I mean, the fact I think that he was were lumping it all in the same right. But the fact that he was promoting that, <laughs> I I don't I don't really honestly care. We might make the distinction, yeah. but I don't think they did back then. Yeah. It was like it's all yeah. it's oh, all dope. And I, and I, yeah. I you're right. He totally supported that because you I don't know, for whatever sensationalism, well, it's sold papers. If if you keep the discussion at an emotional fever pitch long enough, people are going to start to buy into it. So uh-huh. so are is it a cause and effect relationship? No, but you you're certainly creating a context. He's not he's not Unculpable or whatever. I mean, he is involved. He oh, sure. he did create the context. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, hell, that's that's half of the Hearst Empire is that he decided what was going to be popular and what was going to be vilified. Yeah, and who was going to be popular right. and what actress and what actor and he he had legions of uh, reporters out there deciding the news for everybody. So it wasn't yeah. so much you like know, thirty he... papers across the United States. You know, yeah. bigger ones at its at its height. I think what you can call William Randolph Hearst, he was like a kingmaker. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so what he sold was popular opinion, yeah. which, you know, at that time, I don't think they even realized what a huge weapon yeah, that, that he could, could be. make or break you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But. Oh, but one more thing on the pot thing. Uh, I heard on the news actually on the way over that there's a new study 
and they didn't give a source or anything that uh, <laughs> new study marijuana use even casual marijuana marijuana use can alter your brain activity. They didn't get into much details okay. of well, how, how yeah that's pretty much what it does, it does. <laughs> but then it goes away. It's not like cocaine where it rewires shit, you know. So, right. so again, if you're listening to the media tour. Yes. You have to vet the articles, find out if it's in a peer-reviewed journal, find out what reviewed journal it is in, and find out who submitted it. You you, you have to do some work if you're actually going to... I'm not stating any fact one way or another here. Are you high? I'm just (laughs) saying, actually, if our listeners (laughs) listeners want to do what you just said... There's a new study out there that they can read because reading is good for you. And it's fundamental. Uh, yeah, right. Reading is fundamental. So. You know, pro- our listeners probably don't even know what that means. That was like a classic PSA when the we were kids. The more you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the more uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, yeah. kid, how do you even know you got chromosomes? <laughs> That's the shit that I grew up with. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. If they don't even know, then I don't know. It was while he was doing this that he was uh, he served running two, for office. Yeah, he served two terms as a House representative from 03 to 07. He very narrowly failed in attempts to become mayor of New York City, which in a lot of ways at that period of time... Isn't that 03 to 07? Aught, <laughs> I want to be a double knot spy. <laughs> Is it 2014 now or 2014? 2014. However you want. 2014 no. sounds more. It sounds 2014. more starting. M O O N. No, you don't have the and <laughs> and implies a decimal point, so it'd be 2014. 2014. If you want to be technically number wise, I just want to. I want to. 2014 is fine. I'm just going yeah. to start a 2014. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to start a. Right. Long. But I always remember and and implies a decimal point, so 2014 Give, and the women. And thirty-seven cents. That's how that. What's when your end would come in there? Set phasers to caress. <laughs> you know, God, I, was, I miss Futurama. You know what I always remember is uh, <laughs> Duckman. If if any of our listeners Duff remember Man. Duckman, oh Duckman, Duck and um, <laughs> he was having a Star Trek dream. And he was the captain wow. of the Enterprise, and like everyone, so like corn-fed pig was Mister Spock, of course, and. <laughs> And then Duckman walks onto the bridge and he goes, hey, sorry I'm late. God, talk about your captain's logs. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> captain's log, lumpy with corn. <laughs> Could be a rate my poo. <laughs> a ringer. Captain's log. We've got a ringer. We got a three rapper. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about my 10th grade uh-huh. classmate? In yeah, I took a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell it in the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. That was awesome, though. Enough. 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 Before smartphones, you actually had to get a camera in there. Say, hey, check it out. Hey, Ma, give me the camera. That's something important to take a picture of. What's the exposure for a toilet? Yeah. How do I zoom this thing? I'm going to do an Ansel Adams, use a red yeah. lens, put on about three steps. <laughs> Drink I up the make, contrast. I mean, want to make it look really fucking I want to make that corn pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, That's uh, something our listener okay. from Japan could probably yeah. put in as for one of our categories to talk about, because I think we've hit them all. 10% poop. <laughs> poop. Poop. <laughs> <laughs>
So he didn't quite make it as governator of New York, right? Uh, well, uh, mayor or governor. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted... I mean, because at that period of time, mayor or governor of New York was... Because I mean, New York was kind of the center of everything yeah. financially and whatnot. That, that it's a was, rather large city. Yeah. yeah, that was probably bigger than Senate, the Senate <laughs> right. at that time. William yeah. also Randolph Hearst. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. Not to his face, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was... Good. Oh, I good do, on you. I do want to bring up though that that in uh, I've I've heard audio recordings of of William, William Randolph Hearst, <laughs> and he was a very tall man, very large man. He had the highest, most nasally voice you you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it was like the first time you ever heard Tyson speak. You know, right, after a right. fight, and you got oh. Hey, yeah, <laughs> and he was. This is William Randolph Hearst, and it's like, whoa, okay, maybe the recording equipment wasn't as good back then. No, yeah. <laughs> he just had that kind of voice. That's crazy. But yeah, he um he had presidential aspirations, and he he kind of yes. kept them he kept them to himself, and he had he had a really good handler, and he measured things really well, and he was really mm-hmm. trying to work his way into the national political scene. Right, didn't work out. No, because I mean, he he wanted to use his king making powers on himself, but I think, you know, he was one of these type of people that. What? How do they always say he's got a real face for radio? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, he wasn't. I don't know, according to the pictures, he wasn't that. I mean, he was good looking at pretty much. Well, maybe well, a little drawn. Yeah, I don't know. He, he was very tall. Yeah, he's, yeah. The, the pictures you you couldn't take a picture that time, which didn't look like it was like a death mask or something. Uh, yeah, taken at a funeral. Because yeah, I'm not slow shutter yet. speeds. Oh my god! Speaking of which, I've been going through some old family photographs. I have found some things that I just cannot explain. Ooh, I found one, and of course I saved it. All right, <laughs> cool. It's um. Do you remember when they had that exhibit at the State Historical Society about, uh, you know, death in the 19th century? And, right, right, right. You know, death in Wisconsin and everything. Okay. And, Wisconsin death trip. Wisconsin death trip, yeah. Yeah, I tried to get okay. copies of the film as a, part of a goodie bag to send to people, but mm-hmm. I, I never got back from the yeah. filmmakers. Yeah. It's, great it's, film, great film. A great film, mm-hmm. great book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, they they were more or less looking at barrier rituals and so forth. And, and you have to remember, Wisconsin was kind of like Louisiana in that, you know, we always had severe winters and we didn't always have a great road system. So largely the road system was put in so farmers could get their produce to market and so forth. So people lived very, in, you know, very, very isolated existence. And, you know, death was a very familiar pattern in that... You know, there was a lot of infant mortality, uh, a lot of kids that, you know, never got to adulthood and and so on. So they had all these like tiny little coffins. I mean, oh, my God, I found one of these photos. I don't know who the hell it is or whatever, but it's like one of these scary old 19th century photos of a baby in a little tiny casket. Oh, my. Yeah. So you think this might be... Like one of your relations a I, few generations maybe. ago? I, wow. I don't know. Wow. But I was like, looking through like, oh. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I'll put that mm. on my desk at work. <laughs> yeah, that'll generate some conversation. <laughs> you frame it and put it on your who's, wall. Who's that? Well, it kind of looks like the intro to American Horror Story, you know? They always have these like, creepy photos and it's like, <laughs> But anyways, yeah, all the photos of Hearst it always kind of looks like. <clears throat> it was taken shortly before he died, but 
Uh, you you were mentioning too, Victor, too, that uh, before the Spanish American War, or no, was it was it? No, it was after that. Well, that... no, it was it was McKinley. Um, a couple of people within his paper had made uh, articles, kind of calling for the assassination of McKinley. Right. And so we talked about this in our Emma Goldman podcast when Leon, what's his name, actually did yeah. assassinate McKinley. Right. You know, he gave him two bullets to the gut at real close range. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them like binged off a button, and then the other one went into his gut. And then the doctor was at this. <laughs> he was at this fair and. What? They're just digging around. They were just digging around. <laughs> no gloves. He might, he might get gangrene. You know, it might become, um, you know, they were like, yeah, he's dead. But anyway, there was an x-ray machine nearby that because it was like a state fair. Right. They could have used that to try to figure out where the bullet was since he's oh, no. digging around trying to find it. We're not going to use that newfangled technology. Uh, I'm just going to dig around in so, there with my finger. So he went septic and he actually got gangrene of the stomach lining. Yuck. And so from there, he tried to eat something and then... You know, we died within days. So yeah. anyway, he died, and and actually, he was kind of a cool dude because he he called people off of Leon to. I forget, his last name is kind of hard to pronounce. But anyway, yeah, he kept it's, people from beating the assassin to death, mm-hmm. so he could be hung later in October. But anyway, <laughs> uh-huh. sorry, it's like a Stalin show trial. <laughs> but I mean, really, when you see someone shoot the president at point blank dead, it's, yeah. It's kind of nice when the murder of the villain can happen so quickly. But anyway, yeah. Emma Goldman didn't tell the guy to kill the president. No. But Emma was pretty much framed for it because the anarchists, as we discussed in the Emma Goldman podcast, were kind of uh, seen as villains of democracy. Whatever, right. Whatever. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was like a kind of a fringe follower. I think she, she he was might completely have a fringe. met him yeah. at some rally or something but as it was have a, we all it was a very we've tenuous. all met these fringe people <laughs> right at, yeah at rallies or other meetings or uh, there's just these yeah. people who just aren't quite there paying mm-hmm. attention but Hearst paper i mean they they were right talking they were kind of talking openly, about, openly about assassination before it happened and then it happened and that really hurt him politically yeah yeah because at, at that point then it was sort of like oh well you you now you want to be the same kind of target okay fine whatever yeah i just don't think that i don't think that played into anybody's hands and he tried a couple times i think the latest was in 1922 was the last time he tried right and he was pretty evenly routed every time he was like william jennings bryant you know he was one of these guys that was just ran and ran and ran and ran and he'd, he'd come close right but there was always something about their personality or something that they said. They were their own worst enemies in a lot of ways. You know, the one thing we really haven't talked about is Millicent. We haven't talked about his wife. Mm-hmm. So he got married, you know, quite young. and yes, uh, very young. And then, and then distanced himself from his wife because yeah. he fell in love with film star Marion Davis, Davies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than get divorced. I mean, you got to think that have played into some of these... But that was that was toward that, the end. That, that was toward the end of his political career. Then yeah. they kind of flipped. That yeah. would have actually probably not have been seen. I mean, you have to remember too that they're even a lot better he, at covering that kind of stuff up back then. Well, yeah, and yeah. It, and it would have been more like a gentleman's agreement kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, we're not gonna cover that, even though they were very real sensationalists and yellow journalists. Yeah, they would keep that kind yeah. of, and, and it probably would everybody not, put your iPhones away. 
<laughs> no Instagramming at this party. <laughs> yeah. No tweetering. <laughs> yes. Put your Twitterers down. Turn the Google Glass off. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off the Google Glass. Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, th- that some asshole is probably going to have a pair of Google Glasses on. He'll be like the new um, Zapruder. For sure. You know, there'll be like some, you know, yeah. watershed moment. And it's just like, well, and there I was. You know, I was just adjusting my Google Glass. So I said, okay, yeah. Glass, yeah. record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scroll. <laughs> I ran out of megabytes, but, you know, I had enough room on my phone, but my Instagram, I had to delete some podcast files, but, you know, it just kept recording. Yeah, my hard disk was, yeah. was full of Tank Riot, my SkyDrive. I only had like a 16 gigabyte drive because I was using the free phone that they gave me with the plan, so I didn't realize. Virgin Mobile. Thank God for the cloud. It all went to the cloud. So, yeah, his affair with Marion Davies was, of course, uh, well, I mean, his whole well, life was... Ruined was, her career and made her career and... Yeah. I mean, she was she was kind of more infamous than famous, right. truly. And she wasn't a great actress or or singer by any means, and which I think was, you know, wonderfully portrayed in uh, Citizen Kane. In, yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting portrayal. I mean, yeah. Citizen Kane is is one of those kind of movies where you often kind of wonder what what the whole motivation for. It's like, okay, William Randolph Hearst. Why would you? But but I mean, he was this kind of weird. I mean, but but taking on Hearst in his own time. Yeah, that's pretty it was, fucking amazing. It was balls. I mean, yeah. did, did Orson Welles put his balls in a wheelbarrow to oh, walk him around the film set? To. Because that's pretty astounding. Well, and then plus two, the whole thing about Rosebud. I mean, the movie starts and ends with Rosebud, and is really like the whole thing about takes them on this journey to find out who this guy, who you know, Kane was. Mm-hmm. And and then of mm-hmm. course the whole inside joke of that was his uh, William Randolph Hearst pet name for Marion Davies clitoris. Oh really? Yeah, Rosebud. Wow. Yeah, I mean, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's just like Rosebud. <laughs> oh, like, oh. oh man. <laughs> But makes, was, makes it, me think of my childhood sled in a completely different light. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's like, oh no, it's not a sled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and uh, so so that movie's fascinating, just you know, in and of uh, for that, and just the weird shots that he did at uh, uh, well, he called it Xanadu, but right, you know, it was obviously San, San Simeon, yeah, which. So, and I've t- I've uh-huh. toured San Simeon actually. Yeah, I've I've driven past it. I decided so. So here's the deal. I was with my brother, and mm-hmm. my brother and I were driving up the coast from L.A. to Big Sur, mm-hmm. and yep. we were like doing our Kerouac thing, and we were like, we're gonna go, we're gonna find a spot in Big Sur, All right. we're gonna go camping, we're gonna shoot guns, we're gonna pan for gold, <laughs> we're gonna drink inappropriately, sure, and we're gonna probably live through this. So <laughs> let's do that instead of. Touring, going to San Simeon, Simeon. (laughs) and so therefore we went, and it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Very cool, very cool. So, well, all I can say about San Simeon is is that it's one of those places. It's it's kind of fascinating. San Simeon is like the Western example of some of these townhouses that, like the Vanderbilts, built. Uh, at about the same period of Did time. Did Peterbilt it? Peterbilt. <laughs> I just hated Peterbilt trucks. <laughs> yeah. Peterbilt? Really? 
Peter couldn't spell. Or if you, I am Peter. I'm Peter. I'm Peter. That spells Bill. And it's B-I-L-T, too. I, I know. I'm I like, know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He sure didn't spell it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Mm. <laughs> and they have some these same kind of palatial mansions in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to Providence or any of those places. Sure. <clears throat> and they're they're just amazing because they are like American palaces. This isn't just a home or even a rich guy's mansion. It's unbelievable. Right. Uh-huh. Well, and I think Sam Simeon... Sam Simeon <laughs> Is the American castle. Oh, yeah. And it was built on his, it's where he was raised. And, you know, uh-huh. his parents' house was down on the hill and they called it the Enchanted Hill. Mm-hmm. And that was the hill where he decided to build the whole, you know, different little palaces. And I think what you got to mention is that there's an architect that got involved with Berkeley. Um, and, well, she, she'd done a lot of different work at a lot of different universities. Julia, the Julia Morgan. That sounds right. We'll go with that. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's late. Um, no, she um, she worked with him for decades on this. Mm-hmm. And she had a very intriguing life because no one knew much about her private life at all. Right. Uh, she was an architect. She was kind of a ghost. She really. was like the first woman to graduate from the architect school there and caught the eye of Hearst and because of some of the work she'd done on the campus and was recruited into into working on this project. And other, well, smaller projects first and then this massive undertaking which went on for 20 30 years it did it was yeah. like, it was almost like building a cathedral because yeah. there none of the roads there, there were there were no roads it was not easy to get up there to put this home in there and all this shit had to be hauled up uh-huh. by truck or whatever to to build it one of the things that always uh i mean there's a lot of things that are amazing about that home in terms like the artwork and the grand dining room. But the one I always liked was the pool with the fountain, the Neptune pool, the Neptune pool, the outdoor (laughs) one. Yeah. And that's so he'd, he'd have these like huge Jay Gatsby like parties and Johnny Weissmiller, who used to play Tarzan, he was also an Olympic swimmer. Right. He got all liquored up and, and crawled up on top of that thing and like dove in and, how, how deep is that one, wow. I wonder? Oh, it's deep. Really? Oh, yeah. Because all the pictures make it look, because it's got this nice pattern on the bottom. Yeah. And I picture it as a really shallow pool, and I'm like, no. I hope you would have a really deep pool. No, it is. It's very deep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that. Wow. So I, yeah, I, I want to check but, that out sometime. Yeah. No, no, you didn't really miss anything. I'm you just know, saying it's it just, it fascinated me just because I was always a fan of Citizen Kane, and I kind of wanted to see the real Xanadu. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I have to admit, if I had one hundred billion dollars, sure, I'd probably be building yeah. mul- multiple gigantic, <laughs> you know, yeah. gothic mansions of we some have, sort. If I, I mean, had this sure. kind of money, we'd yeah. have the tanks to toot. It yeah. would totally. I would be building this great, yeah, yeah. 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 panthers, uh-huh. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> the panther room. No, <laughs> but so, but, what, but really. You'd think that Julia Morgan and uh, Hearst were having a love affair back and forth because there's a lot of records between the two of them. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do that. I changed my mind. Let's do that. Like even the Neptune pool had many different design plans. Yes. And they'd get halfway through building and he'd be like, yeah, I want to do this now. This is what we should do. Yeah. And then they'd tear it out and rebuild it from to specifications. So mm-hmm. she's a fascinating character. And I think that if you're into architecture, you hopefully yeah. know about her. but. The more I read about her, the more I, I was like, wow, she's such a ghost. And her private life is so yeah. private. 
Um, yeah, you fascinating. You have to dig and dig and dig to yeah. find much about now that, it. Now that that is kind of that is how you interact with an architect. Right. So it may have been just that, or maybe there was no, a lot no, more. Who there, there wasn't. I'm sure yeah. there wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating how. They were so close, they were so tight, and yet nobody yeah. knows anything else about Julia Morgan other wow. than all the different things she did, like the Greek theater and all these other things that she was involved in, all these other major projects. Uh-huh. She didn't necessarily build a Greek theater, but she had a hand in you know getting it designed, and I've been there as well. But anyway, love her work, love what she's done, and and besides the, the major Hearst Castle, there's these little, like houses that held the guests that would come for these exorbitant oh, yeah. parties and and it was all designed to be hosted in a certain way by yeah wr who would you know just make sure things <laughs> all happen in a certain way and mm-hmm. i think my favorite would be and i haven't been there would be there's tennis courts over the uh not the neptune but there's some other pool down underneath the tennis courts mm-hmm. that's the one i'd like to see is it's also of a greek design right. that is more of a dark cool gold and uh blue glass uh all over tile and i've seen photos of it and i'm just yeah. like that looks like a beautiful there's, place there's so many gorgeous i mean yeah, the tour gorgeous. the tour is worth taking it takes a while to, to, to kind of get through everything huge. but Oh wow. my God! When you you know when you're done with it, you just keep thinking, how much money did this guy have? Well, and then half the shit, just like in uh, Citizen Kane, half the shit by the time he died was in warehouses where he just was still working up. on you yeah. know trying to put things places, and he didn't have places to put them, and he no. really cared. And that's the one thing I'll give him, you know, honestly, as an art collector, he really gave a shit about. All the different things that he was collecting. Yes. You know, yes. this is from yeah. Eastern Europe, and he would label everything really well and mark everything really well and try to create. In a way, it's like it's the eccentric hoarding of a billionaire. Right. He's a hoarder, but he's a billionaire, and he's not going to lay, yeah. you know, painting on, you know, right. Renoir on Renoir. It's going to be, right. you know, put some on the wall and Displayed. then keep the rest in boxes away. Yeah. But and actually, school. he auctioned off a bunch of his art. Towards the end of his life, or or at least at some point, I think to just to pay bills and keep the finances yes. moving, but or, or sold them outright to museums because a lot of these were museum pieces. That yeah, yeah, but yet bought. there's still plenty of art to uh, display in this mansion, and you know there's just so much. It's mm-hmm. it's like he sold a bunch, but it, it wasn't enough to make it look like there's a lot missing. No, right. I mean yeah. it's 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 really really very elegant. I mean it's not something. I mean I wouldn't call it like Versailles or anything, but it 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 has that feel of like oh my god, everything in here is the best granite, the best marble, the best everything. And you know, like you say, he he just kept redesigning it. It was never really done. It was almost kind of like the Winchester Mansion. You know, it just kind of kept. Not as confused, yeah. but it, yeah, I've, I've been to the Winchester Mansion too, and that's yeah, really awesome. That'd be pretty wild. <laughs> it's like, hey man, you know what? Just turn me loose in here and come look for me if I'm not back in like a couple hours. <laughs> but I just want to like see the shit. And, and of course, they take you up to the one where, you know, there's like doors that open into walls and then there's doors that <laughs> open like right a like, couple stories up and there's like nothing underneath of it. And wow. They just like kept building shit. Just was... like take a, a giant ball of twine and tie it onto the front doorknob <laughs> and then <laughs> so you can get your way back. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Well, well, but starting when it was built in 1919 and it was built constantly on for decades. But anyway. Yeah. He would throw these lavish parties, and, yes. and one thing that's funny about Hearst that I, we think I think we mentioned previously is that 
He would allow guests a cocktail hour. He would let them go onto the estate and ride horses, play tennis, go swimming, do whatever they wanted. But there was a cocktail hour, and you could have one cocktail. Yeah. Or two at most. Yeah. And if you had three or more, you pretty much weren't going to get invited back. Mm-hmm. So Hearst wow. was a complete teetotaler, and yes. he would hold people to that line. And they would push him, and Marion Davies would push him too. Um, but But he would hold that. That was kind of his... Odd preoccupation. He was against prohibition, but I don't know. He just he insisted that well, people keep their composure. It's so, hard, Mr. It, moderation. One yes. thing, yeah. It, it, one thing in in reading about Hearst, uh, and not just for the podcast, but earlier things that I've read, it's hard to get a fix on what he as a person truly believed, what drove him. and and what was. And I think that's why he became such a great focus for Citizen Kane because. Like when we did the Reagan podcast, it's like, God, that one went on for like three and a half hours. We I, talked about Reagan for six minutes. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't feel like it, 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 we even scratched the surface. He was one of these people that had an incredibly public life. Right. And yet, you know, so I mean, it's like, so was it the aura that he created? Did this have any representation of him as a person at all? Or was that just a complete blind or is there even a person there no yeah exactly yeah. i mean sometimes exactly. i wonder <laughs> but yeah so. i think it's interesting i already totally got from his mother phoebe apperson phoebe <laughs> Phoebes. all right so we gotta get to the oneida yes the innis affair the ins affair ins murder most foul well you know it's one of those stories that you know i mean some people dispute some people swear you know, happen just the way it's it's been written about. But it involves such interesting personalities. This is, this is like the coolest conspiracy. Like, yeah. it's the coolest conspiracy theory story I've ever heard that will never be solved. We'll never know. We will never, never, never know exactly what happened. It's that day. just a great story. Yeah. You know, and and I, I don't know if it's true or not. But like Citizen Kane, you know, when William Randolph Hearst is involved in it, you got to kind of wonder because he was this kind of guy that could make shit happen. Right. No matter how obvious it might have been. So, Victor, why don't you set up about the Oneida? So the Oneida, he, uh, the Oneida is this ship. It's this 200 foot steamship. And yeah. it was a steamship that um, had been around for uh, about 10 years or so. It had been yeah. through a couple different hands. And, um, right. Hearst bought it, and what was really funny is the Navy was always trying to get their hands on it. If a, if a ship like this goes into international waters, the Navy can capture it for patrol use. So it's kind of hilarious. I, I picture the Navy like, do you see the Oneida? It's got to be out there. So keeping their eyes out for it to go but into – It was an American-owned ship? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But if, even if it's privately owned, the Navy can claim it. Yeah. And oh, then they can wow. use it as a patrol ship. They can steal it from the owner basically. Wow. But they never captured it. It's just kind of hilarious that <laughs> yeah. uh, during World War One they were they were thinking about you know grabbing it to patrol waters. But anyway, because it was it was very fast and yeah. you know uh, very well outfitted, beautiful, elegant ship. And uh, so he he would do these little cruises. He'd go around the bay and he'd go different areas. And uh, I don't know exactly where they were planning to go on this one adventure, but on that particular trip that we're talking about, the main character of this play is Thomas Ince. Right. And I-N-C-E, Ince, he is a movie director, producer. He's probably, well, he's not as well known now because of his death. 
Right. Had he not died, he'd go down in history probably as one of the great Hollywood auteurs. So Mm -hmm. he created what was known as Inceville, and Inceville was the first Hollywood studio. So Inceville was where you could do everything. You could do the production. You could do the filming. You had your sound stages. You had your uh, stages for production and all these other things happening all in one place. And that's kind of how a lot of studios now run. But Thomas Ince was one of the first guys to really put it together and come from the silent film era and create these kind of things. And he was in some financial dire straits. So it was his 42nd birthday. Hearst was taking him on a cruise on his 42nd birthday. And everything else but that is basically not known. Charlie Chaplin was supposedly on the Oneida that day. Mm -hmm. Marion Davies was supposedly on the Oneida that day. There were other people who were supposedly on the Oneida that day. Hedda Hopper. Hedda, yeah. Um, and, And there's people who have said that they were on different trips, but not that trip. So if ever you talk to anyone of that time, whether or not they were on that trip, they would say, no, it wasn't that trip. I was on a different trip. Right. So so immediately uh, everyone who was a part of this trip started distancing themselves yeah, from that trip. Big time. Wow. So so they didn't want to be a part of it. They didn't want to know they were there. Um and, and I will tell you, Sputnik, because I, I started reading about this and I was like, This is awesome. Yeah. And and this is really an interesting story. Yeah. I said, I'm gonna watch that movie The Cat's Meow that Sputnik has been you know, railing about that I should watch. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I loved it. Oh, I loved it. It's got it all. Yeah, it does. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Eddie Izzard is fantastic as Charlie Chaplin in that movie. He's very believable. Totally. Yeah. Totally great. I wish Eddie acted a lot more because I think he's I just a fantastic guy. The one thing that's weird, and I think it's an odd choice, is that in the film, they chose to put dark uh, contacts in his eyes. Yeah. And Eddie Izzard has blue eyes. Right. Well, so did Charlie Chaplin, and they should have just left it like that. <laughs> but I think they were trying to go with the tramp, you know, the black and white films right. that everyone recognizes Charlie huh. Chaplin as. And they had uh, Kirsten Dunst as Marion Davies. Kirsten Dunst was a beautiful Marion Davies. Yeah, she yeah. she hit that perfectly. And um, oh god, now I'm going to blank on her name. Um, uh, plays Pats on uh, Absolutely Fabulous. Um, oh, oh, as uh, she was the. Eleanor Glynn, uh, Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley, thank you. Oh, my gosh. She was perfect. Fantastic. And Jennifer Tilly was Luella Parsons. Yes, and and she nailed that. And and what's funny, um, after this... Okay, well let's just let's just say what probably happened. And I love the film The Cat's Meow because what it does, and this is a... um, it tries to reconstruct, I think, about his... It's a Bogdanovich film. Yeah. And Bogdanovich, he's a, he's a film historian, and he loves these right. kind of stories. And he, he there was a stage play, blah, 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 turned into this film that tried to lay a path through what probably happened mm-hmm. in the most likely non-grandiose way. Mm-hmm. Whatever. What a beautiful film. Because that's all we're left with. I mean, we, we will yeah. never know. We'll never know exactly what happened. But But here's what probably happened. <laughs> There was jealousy. There was probably an affair with Marion Davies and Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of speculation about that. And Hearst was obsessed and upset about that. In fact, that's why he invited him on the trip was because he wanted to see if anything would happen between him and Marion. Uh. And so Ince was there and Ince was working trying to 
relight his producer credit yeah. because Insville had failed and there'd been some problems and he lost it to bankruptcy to some and other some productions. And get some Hearst backing for some other projects. He wanted Hearst backing. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh, Ince was trying to manipulate a little bit, played awesomely by Carrie Elwes. Yes. Uh, who is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. I mean, Princess Bride. Right. And now this is my number two. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Saw well, way down low. I'll put the saw film way down low. <laughs> but anyway. Sometimes you just got to keep the lights on. You, know? yeah, you got to exactly. pay the bills. <laughs> you know? But uh, so what happened was, uh, and, and uh, the guy who played um, Hearst was Edward Herman. Right. Who was also Max in uh, Lost Boys. Yes. And it was cool to see him. And he, he played Hearst really, really well. Yes, he did. As a he, bit of an exception. He actually, I mean, if you look at pictures of Hearst, he, he looked like him. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So at some point during this cruise, something happened to Ince and Ince fell very ill and they had to port in um, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Right. And bring him to a hospital where he was pronounced dead from intestinal problems and stomach difficulties and cremated immediately. Yeah. Like wow. immediately. <laughs> wow. Immediately. Yeah. So <laughs> so what they think happened is there was some kind of confluence where either Hearst shot at Charlie Chaplin and missed him and shot Thomas Ince accidentally killing him or mistook Ince for Charlie Chaplin and shot him and killed him and then had his own doctors on the ship. What was interesting is that no one was ever questioned on the ship but the doctor and the doctor just said stomach ailment. Right. And so he was rushed to the hospital. Which is what happens when you get gut shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, it could have been gut shot. It could have been yeah. head shot. We yeah. don't know you, you what don't, happened. You don't know. Yeah. It's such an amazing conspiracy. The uh, same thing happened in a weird way with Kurt Cobain that I don't want to get into. But like everything involved with the Kurt Cobain death. Right. Like the gun was destroyed and his body was cremated. Yeah. And everything that could be seen as evidence was quickly gotten rid of. And it reminded me of the Thomas Ince kind of thing. It's like, right. oh, if you don't want... To figure out what happened, then make sure that there's nothing to figure out. Yeah. And the way the cat's meow left it, too, it wasn't like anyone had to sign any contract saying they would never speak of this or whatever. But mm-hmm. hers kind of just sort of like walked around and kind of made it known that I will make all your dreams come true. <laughs> right. And and with certain people like uh, Luella, I mean, uh, Luella Parsons became known oh, as... Oh, that's right. Luella Parsons. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, she became out of out of that incident maybe or very shortly thereafter got a massive raise a massive her career hit yeah her career hit and she became the biggest thing uh who she made her broke careers herself from that point on yes forever you know until she died and and still said nothing of this and marion davies stayed with hearst until the end but i mean it's just a fascinating story and we're never going to know exactly what happened other than you know we lost a great hollywood you know, bright light. Mm-hmm. I think Thomas Ince was actually a great bright light. Hearst managed to sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I mean, but he's that type of character that he's so larger than life. Hearst, I mean, mm-hmm. that you, well, larger than life is, is sort of like you, you would think of bigger a person, than the law, bigger than the law, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's really what I it mean, comes down yeah. to. Those who, like, those who write the laws. I mean, it's very fascinating because, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not, it's all just speculation. What I'm saying, because everything's out in the open and Hearst has grandchildren running the Hearst empire, running cosmopolitan, running all the magazines that are out there right now. I mean, yeah. 
it is an empire, and there are people out there in charge now that are still not talking about this. What's fascinating is all the children of Hearst mm-hmm. are f- with Millicent, so they don't really side with William Randolph. No, no, um, no. Or Marion Davies. And oh, Marion no. Davies, you know, once once William, you know, died, she eventually remarried, I think, like 11 weeks later or something yeah. like that. So oh, yeah. uh, there was that as well. I mean, she was capped in a lot of ways. I mean, I think it was one of those things, too, where um, the cat's meow makes it you know, Hearst look like uh, a very obsessive, very possessive person. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, she probably didn't dare leave <laughs> until. Well, and, I mean, huh. you can imagine being in her position or in Charlie Chaplin's position that their careers would have been ruined by the Hearst Empire. Absolutely. They I mean, would have been, there's no yeah. way that that wouldn't have happened. Well, so I mean, the fact that everyone just went yeah. eh, hush hush about it. Look, it's look, not surprising. Look at Orson Welles. And I mean, look Citizen at Ted King. Kennedy. Look at the yeah. whole bridge thing. I mean, look at all these whenever something weird happens like that. I mean, when someone from money and power has something strange happen like that, mm-hmm. it tends to get swept under the rug. It does. You know, unless there's it political does. gain to be made from the other side or the other party. <laughs> <laughs> and with Hearst, uh-huh. there wasn't really. Hearst was just that rich and that in charge. And yeah. there was no one to question why. Even the wife of Thomas Ince, we think, accepted a very big settlement in his death from Hearst. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so he was every, everything. Seems- we, we, we think he paid off her her estate and everything. So it seems to me that there's more than enough circumstantial evidence to kind of like you wouldn't just do this out of politeness and, and hey, whatever. But that's that's the point. I mean, that's kind of the legacy yeah. of and and let's not forget his. Uh, so uh, I give a huge recommendation to the cat's meow the film yeah. because we will never know what happened on the Oneida that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it gives a great snapshot into the 1920s. And what mm-hmm. might have happened, and the characters are so grand and so yeah. fun. Eddie Izzard is Chaplin, and and yeah, it's beautiful. It's, beautiful it's, film. It's a really fun. Thank film. you for recommending that. Oh, I think no you did problem. over and over again. And well, it was one of those movies that I discovered completely by accident, and I was just <laughs> entranced by it because I thought, oh my god, this is. I mean, number one, I love anything about the twenties. Mm-hmm. Number two. The cast is just so perfect in this that and and it's one of those movies that you know nobody knows anything about. It just sort of yeah. goes under the radar. But whatever, I'm glad you enjoyed beautiful, it. And beautiful stuff. I think uh, I think with William Randolph Hearst, I mean he he died in '51. Obviously, other publishing empires came up after him, and you know with the advent of radio and TV, he didn't have quite the monopoly that he that he enjoyed earlier on but clearly he's like the first person in america to 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 have the money and the influence i mean joseph pulitzer was was wealthy and he was influential and he had good writers too but hearst had the he had the cash he would just keep accumulating 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 until pretty soon you know he realized hey i I can make public opinion be whatever it wants to be. I will say I'm a person of, you know, I'm I'm of the common man, but in fact, I'm telling the common man what to do. I want to I'm, do what common people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to live like common people live. <laughs> well, if dad's buying it, maybe a vodka. And... Yeah. I'll have the same. <laughs> Basically wanting to yeah, so, control what the common people do. If you have... Well, uh, wait, wait. You know... Uh, since one one quick thing, sure. Before I forget, 
I remember there was something I wanted to mention in our mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart episode oh, yes. that I forgot to mention. And that would be Maurice Micklewhite. So there was a little kid named Maurice Micklewhite who watched a film called The Kane Mutiny. Mm-hmm. And he was like, The Kane Mutiny? That's a great sounding film. I think I'm going to go into acting and I'll call myself Michael Kane. Wow. Really? Nice. Yes. Wow. And I totally, I mentioned it in the last podcast we did. Yeah. I was like, there's something I wanted to mention about Humphrey Bogart that uh, I forgot to mention. Great story. It's because uh-huh. Michael Kane wanted to name himself Michael Kane after the from Kane. the Kane mutiny. Wow. <laughs> I, that's, you know, that's one of that's Bogart's classic. films that I don't think gets as much credit as And it. then I can be in great films like The Hand. <laughs> <laughs> And uh-huh. Jaws 3 or, or something. Or Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> hey, that's a great film. Don't you talk uh, about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels badly. Austin Powers, what was that, two or three? Three. Three, yeah. Yeah, Gold yeah. Member. Yeah. Gold Member. <laughs> Austin Pussy. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway. if, if you wow. have some thoughts about William Randolph Hearst or some stories about San Simeon or whatever, please let us know at feedback at tankriot.com. Gentlemen, shall we mailbag it? Mailbag. 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 All right. Mailbag. I, I want to start off with uh, one from Gene who says, I've... Um, I was talking about our, our marijuana episode and said, I've always taken exception to the phrase gateway drug when used to describe marijuana. Drug's not a gateway. The dealer is the gateway. Anyone dealing in marijuana usually has other drugs to sell. They are a conduit to harder narcotics, not marijuana. They have a vested interest in selling you heavier, more addictive drugs. The reason you never hear of alcohol described as gateway drug is because the guy selling you booze only has booze to sell. Take marijuana out of the dealer's inventory and it's no longer a gateway drug to anything except probably the munchies. I would also say, too, that uh, one of the things that I've I've noticed recently is there's been a lot of articles and a lot of uh, billboards that I've seen up in, in rural Wisconsin talking about heroin. Heroin has always been kind of a problem in Wisconsin because, you know, heroin comes through from Canada in a lot of ways. So if you're kind of bordering that country, then, you know, chances are it's going to be kind of a stopping point. But it's been much more of a problem recently, not just in Wisconsin, but in other rural areas like Vermont and so forth, where, uh, and what they're finding is, is that seven out of 10 new addicts are not beginning with marijuana or alcohol or anything else, but with the opioids like Oxycontin. So, uh-huh. you know, so so that kind of undermines the whole gateway drug thing as well, because, okay, maybe you you take some Oxycontin at a party, maybe you get it from dad's or grandma's, you know, medicine cabinet, but then the yeah. fact is... Or maybe you break your kneecap like you break I your did. kneecap, yeah. <laughs> but all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can't always get a hold of Oxycontin, but I can get a hold of heroin, so you're going like right That's from this to this. So I think that undermines that theory even more. It so. is a powerful drug. I mean, it's amazing that, I mean... You can get it prescribed for lots of different pain, and I have had it before. But yeah, but you're you're seeing a lot more commercials Ugh. now about opioid, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting you know kicking the opioid habits, not just you know heroin or or alcohol or anything else, which I think is yeah. is you know even more of a problem now that wasn't because you know American culture has always been like you know the Rolling Stones song "Mother's Little Helper," you know, pills are always safe, they're clinical, you know, whatever. But now you 
have it's not so much a gateway drug is that you're on the same shelf <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as everything else and then yeah. you're gonna go immediately to heroin so yeah so marijuana seems almost nostalgic by comparison but did she send those cool pictures too oh no um we have a, a great letter and a great series of pictures uh from colorado by anna and she has you know these uh, great shots of you know know the law about marijuana use in Denver. You must be twenty one or older to have or to use retail marijuana. Retail marijuana. I mean that that <laughs> whole con- who concept who just sunk it. No, <laughs> it is illegal to give or sell retail marijuana to to minors. It is illegal to drive high. It is illegal to consume marijuana in public. It is illegal to take marijuana out of the state. Only licensed establishments may sell retail marijuana. www.marijuanainfodenver.org <laughs> and that's just a picture of, and then she has some uh, some pictures of some of the uh, one of the the pot stores as well as what they call the lock bag, uh, which is you know I mean in the day it was always just uh, you know as you know a, a baggie you know nothing like a ziplock you mean uh, it could be a ziplock but a lot of times it was just a baggie you know nothing yeah. really special and and now they have these lock bags which you know kind of look like. You know, this is what you'd see someone take uh, money out to an armored truck in or whatever, <laughs> and, and people would bring them back. And and uh, so so it becomes like your uh, coffee thermos, <laughs> you know, when you go back and buy some more. That's such an awesome concept. That's so weird. And I have to say, yeah. and I, it looks very complicated to work. I don't yeah. know that I would be able to if I needed to. And then <laughs> work before you smoke. And then has some pictures of of uh, some of the jars and so forth, and uh, some great stories. the The one that I love the most is because um, uh, we, we we talked about the edibles that you could get, like you know the the mile high candy and so forth with the hash oh, oil. Yeah. I said, to conclude, I tried the edibles and ate four plates of tacos and hogged most of a bowl of chips before succumbing to acute paranoia about living the cliche and falling asleep on my brother in law's couch. I do not think THC and I will be meeting again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's awesome. I mean, it's totally yeah. understandable. It's yeah. So it's 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 a great and thank you so much for the pictures and and the letter, Anna, because we really appreciate it. Because it's you know kind of nice hearing what it's like down there in Colorado and yeah. And and I would have to agree. I mean, it's been a while since I've smoked, but if I think I tangled with some of that Romulan thunderfuck that they're mm-hmm. growing now, uh, yeah, it would probably be a very different experience from what I remember in terms of yeah. I'd, I don't know if I can really go out into public right now. Yeah, but some people don't need a kick in the nuts. They just need a nice relax, you know? Yeah, right. You know, or giggle weed or something like that. And you can find that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of funny because I I wonder, as more states do this and as the trade continues, if you're going to kind of get away from sort of, you know, names like Romulan Thunderfuck and whatever, or Purple (laughs) Haze or what have you, and you're going to get into something, you know, more like... um, Let's hope not. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're going to get into, you know, well, I'm looking for kind of a light Chablis, something that has kind of an earthy finish, you know, right. but, but kind of cinnamon yeah. tones. You can have white, white wines and red wines. <laughs> Are you chewing gum? <laughs> I got an email from Exeter. He was listening to our marijuana episode. When you were talking about reefer madness and other ridiculous pot propaganda, it made me think of this hilarious clip from the old TV show Taxi. In case you aren't familiar with it, we are. 
Yes. Uh, it is the show that started the careers of Danny DeVito, Andy Kaufman, Christopher Lloyd, Tony Danza, and plenty of other fantastic comedians. In this clip, Christopher Lloyd is playing the recurring character of Reverend Jim Ig- Ignatowski, the burned-out druggie who, uh, where he tells the crew how he got started in drugs. Watch for the cameo from Tom Hanks. So if you look up Reverend Jim in... At Harvard, I think I saw this one. I I totally remember that episode. I love that. Someone gives him that one. He's like really studious. Yeah, he's Sheldon. Yeah, you know Cooper, and he's got like the the letter sweater on. And Tom Hanks is the drugged out druggie, (laughs) and he just gives him like a pot brownie, and his face just like totally turns into Reverend Reverend Jim. Oh my god, I remember that episode. I I, I sporadically watch Taxi. I by all means haven't seen every episode, but I'm pretty sure I saw. I think I've seen every episode. Uh I loved it. So so um, Tom Hanks in that little little YouTube clip, which maybe we'll hopefully tour throw on our website because it is fantastic. Maybe we'll throw it on the pot website just to <laughs> screw with people. Tom Hanks plays marijuana so well. Yeah. So well. True. Where he grabs the lava lamp and goes to walk out with it and then has to put it back because it's burning his hand. Awesome. <laughs> Ow. So, so then he says, and also, nothing to do with pot, but this is one of the funniest scenes from the same show. And he sends another link to YouTube. Mm-hmm. It takes you to the Jim's driving test on YouTube. Yeah. Which we've probably talked about in the podcast, I think, before. Oh, sure, sure. What does a yellow light mean? Go slower. <laughs> what does a <laughs> yellow light mean? <laughs> it's classic comedy gag. It is. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing I remember about Taxi was um, the part of Reverend Jim's father was played by Victor Bueno. Who our listeners might remember is like King ah. Tut on Batman, and <laughs> you know, and uh, there was an episode where where Jim found out that he had died, and uh, he went to 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 go to his place or something, and he and you know Victor Bueno was a very big big man, and he had this huge suit coat, and he found a Stevie Wonder tape in it, mm-hmm. and he just like puts the jacket around his favorite chair and then puts in the Stevie Wonder and say, you are the apple of my, and the episode just ended that way. And I thought, Oh, that is so cool. I mean, he, that I, yeah, I remember a lot of taxi. Yeah. Taxi was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I got one from Bill. Bill. And Bill (laughs) sent a picture. He thinks he found a picture of the Tank Riot uh, underground studio. It looks very similar. Oh, God. It looks hugely similar. But there is no theremin in that studio. Right. I think (laughs) think that's the only thing slightly different. I think we've got them beat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love love the Dr. Strangelove war room look of that that room, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably never come out of that room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's sent a picture with like every kind of device that has a screen. You know, I yeah. think there's an oscilloscope and, you know, some kind of scanner and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I'm glad we don't have a ham radio running in the background with any number stations <laughs> oh, going on. It's just, I mean, it would be distracting. It would be all right, but it'd be distracting. When we never build died. the Gothic never Cathedral, died. we will have a ham radio, you know, tower. <laughs> And each level of the tower will tune into a different number station. We'll, we'll work yeah. on that once we get our billions. You know? <laughs> right. Monpa Sputnik always had a habit because they lived out in the country. We'll call it St. Simeon. St. Simeon. They, they would always have a scanner on. 
like oh, a yeah. police scanner. Awesome. A police scanner. My grandma used yeah. to do that too. I'm yeah. like, why? Why do you and do that? It was so freaky because yeah. because you wouldn't hear anything. <laughs> <and> be talking. <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And then they'd have little, yeah, my grandma would have codes for what the police were yes, talking about. Yes, and, like, and really? they know exactly what it was. Why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> no, who gives a shit? <laughs> Someone's been smoking marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> When I got my first apartment in Madison, uh, someone told me, "Oh, you got to get a police scanner. There's a lot of crime in that neighborhood." Oh, great! <laughs> so why do I want to hear about it? Yeah, why would you want to yeah, hear about I, that? Shit? I, I never did get a why police not scanner. Why not just get a bolt on your door? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, peace and quiet. Uh, I got one from uh, Kevin Sheehan, and he was asking. I said, "Help me out with a quote." Forget what episode, but you mentioned a famous Lush actor who was once oh, asked yeah. by his grandson while pouring himself a drink, thought you went to rehab, to which he replied something like, they taught me always to use ice. <laughs> that was our, our pod episode, yeah. and that was uh, Robert Mitchum. I thought it was Robert okay, Mitchum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was busted in the late 40s for marijuana debris. So like maybe two <laughs> seeds in a stem. And, yeah. and he was looking at hard time in his career being destroyed. So then he just ends up becoming a drunk. And it's like Jesus, just let the guy smoke. Like like Willie Nelson. I mean, why is Willie Nelson still alive when every country singer from his generation has long since like died from liver cirrhosis? Because he's awesome. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but I just thought you know that Baird mentioning was that yeah Robert Mitchum was one of these. He he did um, this really awful series, uh, the Winds of War, the Breaking Winds of War. <laughs> And there's this one scene where he's on a dock and he's looking out at the sun setting and he's, you know, he's thinking about the gathering clouds of war and everything. But the real backstory was he was so fucking hammered. He was so tight. Oh, yeah, that's right. That he couldn't, like, do the scene. And then finally the director said, son of a bitch, just stand out on the dock and we'll just (laughs) kind of go with that. He was just like, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know, but, you know, thinking of famous drunk stories, my favorite was always, um, do you remember Burt Parks, the guy that always sang and officiated at the Miss America pageants? Did he also host Card Sharks? No. Okay. I know who you're thinking of, though, but... um, No, I don't. Burt Parks was, if you ever saw the movie The Freshman with Marlon Brando... Yeah, I've seen seen that. Okay, he was the guy when they finally had the billionaire's buffet or whatever. Okay. He was the guy that was singing Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan. That was that was Burt Parks. And he would always be the guy and you know he was one of these I don't know what the dude did before, but he got on these these con these pageants and his big deal was is you know when they put the tiara on and the Give her the roses, you know, there she is, Miss America. <laughs> well, they fucking phase him out, you know, because, you know, the whole pageant thing had changed and it wasn't, you know, it was, yeah, whatever. It's a scholarship program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, the night that, he, oh, bless you, of of his last um, <laughs> Miss America pageant, he comes out just tight, you know, and he's and and then he and uh, it was Gary Collins and his wife Marianne Mobley, who I think was also a Miss America, were co-hosting, and he was like he did not give a shit. And he was like, 
Because you know what? You know what? And let me just say this. Oh, <laughs> Mary no. Ann is like backing away because <laughs> clearly he's got like, you know, booze. Oh, bread. No. <laughs> and I just thought, you go, Bert. <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> oh. Nice. And don't ask me why I watch beauty pageants. I, I sometimes, <laughs> I, I do, I do run with a crew that watches mm. Miss USA or Miss Universe just because they're goddamned hilarious. <laughs> you know, I mean, they really are fucking funny. I especially love it when they do the telepathy part. You know, like when the former Miss America, Miss Universe is walking around, and then it's just like. I've really enjoyed my years. You know, like her voice comes over narrated. And so it's like, you know, she's telepathically beaming to you her thoughts. And it's like, God, that shit just is hilarious. To me. I'm, I'm totally out of my wheelhouse wow. for I'm totally out, <laughs> totally out of my wheelhouse. I, I do watch I don't know pageants. How to <laughs> I don't, you know. I Should don't... I just nod and agree with it? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I will agree with that. And that. Miss Universe is always better than Miss America because Miss Universe. Well, it's the universe. It's, it's not the just universe. America. Plus, you can see some pretty yeah. slutty outfits. There's more depth. I mean, they're working it in Miss Universe, whereas you know Miss Miss USA or Miss America, and I think they're like two different bathing suit companies that like put them on. Like Donald Trump does, I want to say like Miss USA or some bullshit. Huh. He's got his weird ass sitting in the front row and. Then you see the panel of judges, and they're always like the biggest hacks you ever saw in your life or has been. It's like a Love Boat episode. It's like, okay. you know, here's here's some up-and-comers. Here's some has-beens. Has here's Julie been on that? I'd watch. She, I would if Lauren <laughs> Tweez was on there. I mean, I I still have that TV guide where it talked about her cocaine breakdown. Wow. Yeah, my knowledge on this subject is pretty much limited to the uh, Styx Grand Illusion album. And, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. And some, <laughs> and some uh, Sandra Bullock movies. So. Oh. <laughs> Armed and fabulous. Like gravity? Yeah. Oh. 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 She's old. <laughs> you know, I, I heard that Gravity was, <laughs> Gravity was a film that shows how what distance... George Clooney will go to stay away from a woman his, his own, own age. age. Damn! <laughs> That's gotta hurt, George. That's gotta hurt. All right, yeah. I got a letter from Alan. And Alan says, hey guys, love the show. Thank you, Alan. It was so fun to hear you talk about Topsy the Elephant on your But First This Podcast as the Philip K. Dick Philosophical Podcast latest show gave you a shout-out on the same topic. Why, you ask? Listen to find out. You'd appreciate them, says Alan, who obviously is on the Philip K. Dick Appreciation Podcast. No, anyway, uh, uh, it is it is an interesting podcast, and it's cool that there's people out there doing whole podcasts devoted episode yeah, after episode, and there should be to the works of Philip K. Dick. Whereas dicks like us do one episode on one Philip show. K. Dick, yeah. and we probably had trouble staying on topic. Yes, we were we were rarely on topic. <laughs> anyway, he says, always wanted to email you to tell you what to watch. Uh, you should watch QI. It stands for Quite Interesting, hosted by Stephen Fry on BBC. As I feel you would love it, I come from a working class house, a housing estate in Scotland who has traveled the world with and settled in Australia off the bones of an electrical apprenticeship. It served me well, but intellectually I feel I've missed out and I try to make up for it that way. Topics I'm interested in lead me to you. I want to thank you for the time you take to have a conversation with me through your podcast. The type of conversation that is difficult to get my peers involved in. I always have a few beers when I listen to you. Good job. Good job. Did I mention I was Scottish? 
I agree with your socialist rants. Wait, wait, wait. We have socialist rants? I didn't know. So, uh, every now and again. Okay. Yeah. Did I mention I was Scottish? Anyway, I hope you watch <laughs> QI as it is quite interesting and very entertaining. I look forward to your next conversation. Kindest regards, Alan. Alan, thank you very much for the email. Socialist rant, socialist rant. You're a really great person. <laughs> and we will also throw out a shout out to your podcast. I mean, that other podcast, the Philip K. Dick Philosophical Podcast. <laughs> okay. So go listen to them and tell them how cool it was that you heard a, that one of them knew about Topsy the Elephant. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And, and, and that Edison's a douche. So everyone yeah, just yeah. go say, your podcast is great. Leave a comment. Edison's well, a douche. You know, the Ripper uh, series just ended. Ripper Street series just ended. And, and that whole season was, like, super strong. And I just love the fact that they mentioned, you know, Thomas Edison and Menlo Park in when the ACDC debate came to London. And I, I just thought that was cool. That's cool. So did yeah. he, it was like Edison and Menlo Park. It was like, you know, Gates and Microsoft. And I thought, oh, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I have an email from Michael. And Michael comes from tropical Mount Horeb. Ooh! Ooh. Which is just... Hundesnakanorsk? Yeah. Velkomen. Just, just, just down the road from uh, Madison. <laughs> oh, geez. I could go for a Schubert's now. Oof the feeder. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> Mount Horeb is populated by trolls and Lefsa and... Trolls. Romagrot. And anyway. More uh, trolls. Yeah. Lots of trolls. And he says it's near, yeah, Blue Mounds, which is... Uh, sure. Yeah. But, beautiful but place further to camp. Down yeah. the cave road. Cave of the Mounds is a beautiful cave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cave of the... Yeah. Yep. All kinds of stuff. Military Ridge Bike Trail runs through all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get get there by bike. I've done that. Yep. A lot of uh, fun. But anyway, hey, so that's where he grew up. And then uh, he uh, thought he'd take a job in Atlanta. Anyway, he, got, he ended up... Raising a family in Atlanta, and so he's been there for 28 years. So now he's using Tank Riot to help him uh, navigate uh, the Atlanta traffic. And I've driven through the Atlanta era, area, and the driving there is just nuts. It's like oh, it's just a huge that. like debris field of <clears throat> signs knocked over all over the place, and it's cars. <laughs> you know, there's just debris everywhere. So I don't know. They drive crazy down there. It's not to say they're sane in Madison either, but Atlanta has its own extra level of crazy, at least as far as I can tell. So, but he he goes on anyway. He likes the show, but he uh, wants to know if we have ever checked out TCM Remembers. Oh, sure. And uh, yeah, absolutely. So, have you guys seen that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I haven't seen it, but uh, that looks pretty cool. So, I guess he recommends that. Uh, it's kind of a follow-up when we, when we talked about the Oscars and uh, the immemorium memorandum. In memoriam, memoriam. There we go. That I could talk. I'm I'm that's the memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> Dead uh, people segment. <laughs> and uh, so he's uh, you know appreciates our movie reviews and uh, but I, I do have issue with one. He says uh, 
Always happy to hear your film discussions about new releases or the classics. And then, of course, the ones that aren't but are just damn funny. Like Iron Sky comes to mind. I am sorry. Iron Sky is a classic. I, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Iron yeah. Sky <laughs> is a classic. Total classic. Yes, yes. And, but, you All know, right. You know, TCM Remembers is very good. And I also uh, wanted to say, too, that I just got done... Um, I had I had this DVR a while ago, but it's like one of my favorite movies, Captain Blood, 1935, yeah. Errol, 25 year, 24, 25-year-old Errol Flynn, 19-year-old Olivia de Havilland, one of the great pirate movies, Basil Rathbone as Captain Levasseur. <laughs> <laughs> He's like one of the best names in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Basil, Basil Rathbone. Rathbone. Yeah. Did I mention yeah. um, You're Next in the last podcast? Mm, I don't recall that. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if I did, fine. If I didn't, fine. It's a great horror movie. It mm-hmm. was kind of a surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, your next, I, I thought it was going to be from the previews, a stupid, stupid horror movie. You'd think so. Turned into a really fun horror movie. Yeah. Very enter- entertaining. Very entertaining. Your next yeah. is a lot of fun. Yeah. Your next was way more fun than I, I thought it was going to be terrible. And then mm-hmm. I saw some reviews and I thought, I'll check that out. Wow. There's fun. some there's some good horror movies mm-hmm. being made out there. I thought it was going to be like more of that torture porn bullshit that yeah. was stupidly Hostile written. Yeah. Saw. But it was smart. They they turned it on its head a little bit. Yeah. Not like Cabin in the Woods, but <clears throat> like not completely on its head like mm-hmm. that Cabin in the Woods, but just a little bit enough to to really sure. keep it interesting. Wow. Good stuff. Uh I've got one from uh Dogo. Dago. Dago. I think it's Doggo. Let's go, let's go with Doggo. I'll go with Doggo. Uh, anyways, he said, I used to work at a head shop when I was 18. I also used to work at a head shop. No way! <laughs> wow. And it was it was like literally like this kind of hole-in-the-wall place where it was just like all, you know, head shop accessories and, yeah. But this is for tobacco use only, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they actually put Don't ever put marijuana in it. It's just with tobacco. For tobacco was it at the Moon Fun Shop? Did you work there? <laughs> the Moon Fun Shop? Yeah. I'm just curious. Are you making up names? You mean I am not making up a name. That was a it, real store that was in Stevens Point. Who the fuck would name something? Oh the moon no, fun shop? I knew I'd heard that. Yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 it wasn't the Moon Fun Shop. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I got a whoopee cushion there once when I was a little okay. kid. <laughs> I when you said that I thought, oh my god, I know that name. And I thought, like, oh yeah, okay. No, no, I did not. All right, um, different different place. Okay. So I wish I had a photo of my three favorite bongs. They were toker style. That's a vessel with a bowl tube going down into the vessel and 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 a tube to hit out of the out of perpendicular to the vessel. Here's some fun picks. I know all of these picks. Oh this this is like right out of high times. <laughs> he sent us porn. Yeah, he sent basically, us like pot pipe porn. Oh my god, this this the ISO two. I totally remember that from like seventies high times. And they're, they're, these look like all USA graphics and everything. Now, I have to say, the Toker style, I'm a carb hole man myself. <laughs> so I had to look around for those. You know, you have to look around for those because they're, they're mostly Toker style That has some control. The grass. Yeah. You know, because you, re- <laughs> you could really get that thing going. There's nothing like cutting the bottom off a 7-Up bottle and then oh, yeah. putting a screen around the top and then, <laughs> and then slowly lifting it out of the sink of water, oh. taking the bowl off and then... God, I and I remember a lot of these roach clips, and <laughs> there's at least a couple of these pipes that I had. 
Uh, of course, the prototype was always the... The prototype is a thing you know, of beauty. That was, you know... Until you destroy it in a binge of drug abuse. <laughs> That's right. Drug-addled rage. <laughs> so thank you very much for sending it. that. Yeah, there's some beautiful pictures of stuff there. Oh, yeah. This ISO 2, I remember... <laughs> I, I totally remember that. And we had one in the head shop, too. And I was, I would just stare at it sometimes thinking, I don't know that I would have to smoke anything out of this. It's just this very art deco. Actually, what it looks like to me is... Nice piece. Put it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very... Uh, Put Fritz, it next to the red wall. You know, Fritz Lang, very Metropolis. You know, I just kind of liked it. But bongs, the the... You know, the glass bongs are nice, but they're kind of heavy and, and kind of cumbersome and everything. I used to love the really colorful plexiglass bongs. Those, mm-hmm. to me, were always the fun ones, you know, that you're just like, ooh. You know, because it was like one of those things that this cannot, tol- this cannot be used for anything other than just getting stoned to the bejesus. You know, it's like, oh, look, it's a big, bright red bong. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh man, remember those graphics ones that were oh, like six feet Jesus long? Christ. Like, really? Is this a coat rack or a bong? I'm <laughs> coat not rack sure. With a Joker face at the bottom. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to see the Joker face ever because I'm going to be way up here. The same guys who had those. <laughs> I'm going to get my stool out so I can stand on it. <laughs> the same guys who had those bongs are the same fuckers that invariably at a party will get up into the second floor and just magically have all the tubing and the funnel for like a one story beer bong. <laughs> You know, it's like it's too much is is never enough. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, no, no. I, my human lung capacity will not go this far, but by God, I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> my favorite accessory I always remember, there was a, a, a dorm in Stevens Point called uh, Steiner Hall. And they always used to have their T-shirts. It was at home of the Pro Bowlers Tour. Because these guys were the biggest stoners on campus. You could always go over there for a for a you know, few bongs or whatever. And this one guy had the greatest device I ever saw. It was called a Gatling Bowl. And it was this big aluminum device. So so imagine taking like, you know, six or seven of those little tiny aluminum bowls that you'd put in a bong, but then just be able to rotate them. Right. <laughs> You could just keep going around and around and around. I mean, these guys were not fucking around. <laughs> That's the engineer department. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, people were thinking about this yeah. shit. <laughs> we got work to do. Yeah. People, Yeah. here's what. Here's the problem. <laughs> I got to keep loading this son of a bitch all the time. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Anyways, please let us know what you think at feedback at tankriot.com. Tor, oh, do you have a yes, further letter? I have uh, one more. Tor's been like bogarting the letters. He's been hoarding. What? <laughs> it's from Patrick. Ooh. Oh. Yes. And, uh, and, and Patrick says, guys, please get on Patreon. I'd be happy to send you a regular donation that way. Uh I've never heard of Patreon, but it sounds like some well, donation system. We don't even know how system. to pronounce it. So. You're not going to send bitcoins, are Patreon? you? Yeah. <laughs> we're we're in Dogecoin. <laughs> we accept Doge. Dogecoin. Do you have shekels? Do, uh, shekels, yeah. yeah, yeah, rubies, so. whatever, you know. That. Um, hey, we will check it out and see what we can do. Every little so, bit helps. Uh, that That's follows right. up. I'd like to thank everybody else that has donated through the current Take Right donation system. 
And I'd also we got like a, to we got a really nice review on iTunes uh, a couple days ago, awesome. which made me really happy. We also got one a couple days before that was like, "What the fuck's wrong with those assholes?" But anyway, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> it was just nice. It was nice to get a really nice one. Yeah, so we got a really nice one. Somebody off. We're not doing it exactly. Right, so, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> whatever. We'll piss yeah. someone off with this. But anyway, yeah. thank you for all the nice reviews, and please thank you for the donations, and uh, we'll keep doing this regardless. I bet. But it'll be yeah. better if we have some money That's to right. build our giant palace. <laughs> I'm just saying. Or work yeah. on some soldering. <laughs> <laughs> our, our huge Neptune pool. Yes. We, we, yeah. we do want to get that Neptune pool built. <laughs> good evening. This has been Tank Riot. I'm going to go make a pee pee. I said good day. Podcast. Um, I I haven't ran up my nose. Check check check, please. Establish the Doppler effect or something. <laughs> I'm redshifting. <laughs> it appears we have liftoff. Tits. Good evening. This is Tank Riot.